0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be joined by T.J. Reeves. as we have plenty to discuss with T.J., as we'll get his insights on the Live Golf Tour that's starting up this weekend, as well as the U.S. Open coming up next week. And We'll get his thoughts on the nhl stanley cup final and some football talk with tj when he joins us later on we will also have coach Bo's football fix presented by o'connor advisory group as well as our tom fullery story of the week and then our usual segments as well our big 12 breakdown draft season today we are looking at the biggest bus of all time and uh we'll also have a look at the nba finals as well so Plenty to get to on today's show. Glad to have you with us. Thanks for being here on the Jones Report. It's Thomas Bridges joins me right now. I'm Tom, uh, we are a couple weeks in on the uh, summer of Jones. I had a nice visit to uh, Chicago. I was joined by uh, a good friend of the show, uh, Nick Cousin in uh, Chi-Town. And I think I'm ready to make a declaration on who has the best pizza in Chicago. I went to Lou Malnati's. uh, Very good pizza. Uh, they were very nice. They followed me on social media and w- treated me very well. But Giordano's, I think, I- I'm going to give the edge to. I-, I like the sauce better. It wasn't as rich uh, as you know the the cheese that was uh, in in the Lou Malnati's. So I'm, I'm going to give the edge to uh, Giordano's here. My call for the pizza uh, who had the better pizza. But I like either one. Deep dish, you can't go wrong. But my my. Judgment call goes to Giordano's. Is Giordano's not deep dish? No, it is deep dish. They're both deep dish pizza. You can't go wrong with deep dish. I'm saying, but I give the uh, the edge to a Giordano's here. Yeah. Sauce
1: on top of both of them. oh uh, yes. You know, see, I I need to I I need to go on a pizza tour. As big of a pizza person that I am, uh, I have not been to New York City. I have not been to Chicago. Um, but as much as I like pizza, I should, I should go on a on a food vacay and, and go and, and find out the pizza on my own. I, to be honest, this is you know the most interesting thing I think that I saw from your, um, Chicago thing was not the pizza. As much as I love pizza, um, and I'm not a big fan of Chicago style. I'm more I'm a more of a traditionalist in terms of New York City style thin just need the cheese. I like eating multiple slices uh, and I know Chicago. I mean, tell me, how many slices did you eat of each one? I feel like
0: it's either one or two and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm full. Oh, yeah. I mean, after two slices, I was good. That was enough for me. I mean, yeah. very filling. Yes.
1: It's so, I mean, it's like, oh my gosh. Like stuffed. Because I've had Salva. How does it did the pizza you had in Chicago did a blow away Salvestano's?
0: Solvus isn't bad, I mean, by any means. But, I mean, Chicago pizza takes the cake. Chicago deep dish is my favorite pizza.
1: Oh, that's saying something for sure. My biggest thing from seeing your adventures in, in, in Chirac was uh, – <laughs> Chirac. you <right? laughs> uh, And I, I forget about this. And, you know, working at a bar before and being a bartender even for a brief amount of time, just being around the industry, people, I've had my uh, my run-ins with Malort. And <laughs> shot of Malort, finished off with, a, what is it, an old-time? Old-style, yes.
0: Okay, so let me explain. Uh, yeah. oh. So, uh, my buddy Nick Cousin, he tells me, shortly after I get there, he says, you need a Chicago handshake. That will be your initiation to Chicago, and uh, you know by the end of the weekend you'll be a full blown Chicago in uh, when it's all said down. Okay, I'm like, well, what's this handshake? What's this initiation? And he says, you take a shot of Malloy, and then you uh, you know, drink uh, Old Style right afterwards, immediately. And I said, okay. And Nick didn't tell me like how bad it was, but I had a feeling that it wasn't going to be good. Uh, Molloy tastes like gasoline or a bad cigarette. Just an awful taste. I put that thing down. I immediately drank up that old style and I felt fine. And I felt like that if I didn't drink that old style or a, a beer of some sorts afterwards, that I would have felt just absolutely terrible because that was not pleasant, but you know what? I got through it, and I came out a, met- a better man because of it, Tom. I
1: mean, yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, when I first had it, so when I briefly worked at Valkyrie in 2020, right before COVID hit, that was one of the things that those industry people make you take, and, uh, and I had never had it before and i drank a lot previously so i'm surprised i'd never had it but they were like yeah let's take shots more and i didn't know what i was taking i just thought it was another liquor behind the bar and i did not have an old time to an old style sorry to wash it down with and i was like what did y'all just make me take
0: (laughs) i can imagine yeah the the Could not have been fun. Uh, Did not have anything to to go with it, but I did feel better. Now that bar experience, shout out to my bartender friend, Marco, who uh, gave me that drink, by the way. And he even put it on his Twitter feed, said he was honored to give me the Chicago handshake. So thank you, Marco, for that. But that might not have been the craziest thing that happened to me at that bar, Tom. Um, So... When I arrived in Wrigleyville, I was trying to find, you know, like a baseball shirt to wear of some sorts. And I stumbled upon this store that was selling shirts like half price. And they had this Cubs-themed shirt that it was just a – you know, it wasn't obvious that it was a Cubs shirt. It just looked like a baseball shirt in Cubs colors that said, make the bullpen dance again. And I'm like, I don't know what that means, but that sounds funny. I'll buy it. You know, I'll I'll fit right in. And, you know, I I got it. And I, for like 15 bucks, showed up to Wrigley wearing it, took a picture in it. Pretty cool. Right. Well, then between games, I go to the bar and I'm just minding my own business. And this gal comes up to me and says, I want your shirt. And I'm like, uh, Okay. And she asked me if I'm going to the game that night, the second game of the doubleheader. And I said, yeah, I haven't bought a ticket yet. It'll be my first Cubs game. And she says, well, how about I give you a ticket and I take that shirt off your back? And I'm like, well, okay. Um, And she's there with her husband. And she says to her husband, let's not just get him a basic ticket. For his first Cubs game, he needs a good seat. So here's the deal I made, Tom. They got me a bleacher seat uh, in the outfield, the infamous bleacher seats at Wrigley. First row, like an $88 ticket uh, in exchange for me giving them this $15 shirt that I just bought that I had no meaning of, uh, knew, knew, did not know what it meant. And she showed me some videos that it had something to do, I guess, the Cubs bullpen used to dance all the time in their World Series run. And so at the end of the day, I would call that a good investment. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. If I was you, I would have went back and bought another one. So I ended up buying a hoodie, uh, a Cubs hoodie, because it got cold that night, and I was not prepared for that cold weather like that. Uh, So I did buy a hoodie, and then I also got a uh, Michael Jordan Classic Chicago 23 T-shirt too. I did see that. I did not
1: know about the, the lady. And you, So you just literally gave her the shirt off your back.
0: Yeah, I literally just took off the shirt and handed it to her. And she transferred a ticket uh, over to my uh, ballpark app on my on my uh, iPhone. That's incredible. I mean, I, I would yeah. file away. I would file
1: that away in the in the file that you somehow just find a way for things.
0: And that wasn't me like seeking that out either. I mean, that came to me. This woman literally comes up to me while well, I'm having an old style and tells me she wants my shirt and the rest is history. I mean, like, that's just an opportunity I didn't even pursue, Tom.
1: Hey, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm still not shocked. Somehow they just, if you're not seeking
0: for it, it'll find you. <laughs> right. <laughs> just, just completely bizarre. Uh, I had a good time though. Uh, good to see Nick cousin and and everybody there in uh, Chicago. Uh, I'm glad that I made it back and, and now we'll see where the summer of Jones takes us next. Uh, I'm actually headed back to Omaha, uh, for the college world series here in like a week or two. So that should be a good time. See some old friends and watch some uh, college baseball, but, uh, we'll uh, be on this tour uh, for a bit and, uh, having a good time, uh, with the uh, summer of Jones as, uh, We're rolling along here uh, over these the next couple of weeks. Let's talk about the NBA finals now to begin today's show. We are taping this as game three has concluded. The Celtics with a dominating 116-100 win over the Golden State Warriors to take a 2-1 series lead. The Celtics got off to a great start in that first quarter, and they really put Golden State away in the fourth, holding them to just 11 points in that final quarter on their way to victory. And, Tom, we said going into this series that although Golden State was probably the more talented team, this was not a good matchup for them, that you had Al Horford be a mismatch inside, Marcus Smart, his ability defensively to take away – you know a, a player or two with what he can do and and knowing that Boston still has a great offense with other guys involved here um golden state it's been a good run for them so far you know to get to this point but i think they find themselves in a, a situation that they they were not prepared for they they've come in and they were not ready for what the celtics have thrown at them at this point
1: uh, no. And, and, you know, they, you know, Celtics come back and, and surprise them game one. And I think everyone was expecting the Warriors to win game two at home. And, uh, you know, for the Celtics, now they're playing a little bit with house money. I think for them, if you're the Celtics, I think you do what you need to do and come out game four as hot as possible. Uh, because if, if the Celtics win game four, uh, it might be all she wrote.
0: Yeah. I mean,. Call me a prisoner of the moment if you want, but Tom, doesn't it feel like I would not be surprised if based on the way that the Celtics have dominated their two wins. I mean, this could be a gentleman's sweep here. I mean, I don't think that's the stress to say the, the Celtics could find a way just to go ahead and take this in five now.
1: Oh, uh, you know, they might do that. I, I think if I was a betting man, I would put money down on six games. Um, you know, I think that if the Celtics can win Game Four, I'd assume get Warriors would win a potential elimination game uh, in the Bay, and then Celtics would do them away in Game Six. Right. If I had, to, if I was a betting person, um, but it seems like that at this point, it seems like the Celtics are just kind of too much right now. Draymond seems like he's playing more about his ego than about his team. He's causing, from what I can see, causing all sorts of BS. Um, in and around the court. Um, it, it seems like uh, Udoka kind of has this team focused. It seems like they have a purpose. Um, everyone's kind of keying in at the right time, and and Golden State, you know, as great as they are, as great as those pieces are, don't seem like they're playing as like a, a um,
0: I don't know, a gelled together group. Two points for Draymond Green in game number three. I got to tell you, Tom, that's just unacceptable for a guy that, you know, brags about calling himself a future Hall of Famer and, you know, one of the key pieces to this Warriors team. And knowing that the matchup, you know, disadvantage for the, you know, the, the, the Warriors here is how good the Celtics are inside. I mean, you can't play 35 minutes if you're Draymond Green and finish one for four from the field and 0 for two from three. I mean, that's a waste of space. I mean, what the hell happened to Draymond Green where he's putting in that many minutes and having, you know, just no production, just going MIA like that? I mean, I understand that Draymond, you know, part of his game is what he does defensively, and he's one of the best defensive players in the league. But, I mean, the offensive production, you're out there 35 minutes. You can't be laying eggs like that, man. That's – ridiculous
1: i mean yeah it's it's pretty embarrassing honestly and you know he he has great analysis you know when he's on the when he's you know behind the mic um and and not playing i mean for what it's worth he's he's a good analyst i mean of the game i mean he i I enjoy him when he when he's breaking stuff down he's very smart basketball player he knows the game um, but when he gets out there, it's just like his emotions get the best of him. And, and he, I don't know, kind of ruins it for everybody else. Um, but he just honestly he has to get his emotions in check. And Mike cost his team uh, a championship. I'm not saying that, you know, because of Draymond acting like an ass is the reason Celtics would win. The Celtics are good in their own right. Um, but it does seem like, you know, if, if the Celtics do end up winning this series, either in a gentleman's sweep or in six, or hell, even in seven, that I think the Warriors might go back and look at this series and say, well, something's got to change. Steve Gers, too good of a coach to, to not make changes where deemed necessary. And I really, I think the first part of the cookie that would crumble on this team would be Draymond Green
0: out in the Bay. Yeah, I mean, there's something a thing about, Tom. And you can tell me if you disagree with me on this or not, but – I look at what Al Horford has done this series, you know, great in game one, you know, game three, he was solid with, you know, going five or seven from the field, 11 points, and what he's done in the inside. Um, Tom, there's no reason why Draymond Green should not be able to do offensively what Al Horford is able to do for Boston. I think that, you know, Horford, he's an older player, uh, than Draymond Green. Uh, Draymond traditionally has been a better offensive player than Al Horford has been. Um, to me, you, you look at the other side, if you're, if you're talking about, you mentioned in the case of Golden State being frustrated with Draymond, it might be time to move on from Draymond. How, how do you look at the other side and see what Al Horford's doing and that not be possible for Draymond Green? That's where if I'm Steve Kerr, I'm like, what the hell? I mean, He's getting outplayed by somebody that's not nearly as good as he is. I mean, that that just doesn't add up.
1: No, it really doesn't. Um, and and you know, especially when there's the polar opposite on the other side, like you just mentioned. I, I think that I think that the Warriors would be like, "Hey, listen, if this old f- do it." There's no reason that you shouldn't be able to outplay Al Horford, and that's no slight on Al Horford. I mean, he's no. You know, He's kind of had a comeback of, of sorts, you know. Um, was this his second stint in Boston? But you know, when he was on any other team, whether it be like the Hawks or the Thunder, he just wasn't really worth a damn. And then he's he's kind of found his role here on this Boston team and can contribute. He might not be the doing the guy that's doing it every night, but he can contribute. Hell, Jones, if you want to look at big men on on both sides, if you're the Warriors and you had to right now, if you had to pick right now count the money, count everything. Side-by-side comparison, how much each player is getting paid, what they bring to the table. Honestly, right now, Kevin Looney's looking like a much better option than Draymond Green.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Much better. I think you're right. I think you're right about that, uh, based on what we've seen so far at this point. Now, with the Celtics, uh, we told you going into this series, Bo and I talked about this last week, that – Uh, Marcus Smart was going to be so important, that he was – I said he was the most important player in this series uh, based on his defensive ability that he – the Celtics would go as far as Marcus Smart would take them. I did not expect, Tom, this type of offensive production from Marcus Smart. What he did in game three, 24 points, 8 of 17 from the field, 3 of 7 from three – um, and he's not asked to be the number one or number two option of that offense by any means. I mean, he plays alongside Tatum and Jalen Brown, who had you know decent games in their own right. But if you're getting 24 from Marcus Smart, I mean, if you're getting, I'll even simplify it. I'll take it a step further. If you get 17 from Marcus Smart, you're winning every time. 24? I mean, I can't recall Marcus Smart playing offensive basketball like that ever i mean even in oklahoma state when he was an all conference performer we still were saying you know hey i mean his specialty is defense he's not that great of an offensive player here to me that that blows my mind if you're getting that type of production from marcus smart i mean how do you compete with that
1: i mean you really don't um you know it's very shocking that he's he's kind of had this um in him lately and and kind of expounding on on his own game a little bit and you know they Brought in Derek White to, you know, kind of be, I don't know, a backup Marcus Smart. Um, Derek White, very good at drawing fouls, very good at, at, um, you know, taking charges. He's like one of the top in the league in terms of drawing charges. Um, They kind of brought him in with the trade with the Spurs. and, And, you know, Derek White had a great couple of games here and there. Al Horford has had a couple of great scoring games. And now we see it from Marcus Smart. Um, so it's kind of like uh, you know, you, you roll the dice on those back three of Derek White, Al Horford, and and Marcus Smart in terms of scoring. After you have your two headed monster and Jalen Brown and, and and Tatum, um, and you know it's worked so far. You know, Horford hasn't scored what he scored the in game one. He scored twenty something points. Derek White, I think in in a, maybe game two even or in game one had like twenty four. Um, And now you see it from Marcus Smart um, in in roles that they, you know, aren't maybe used to seeing in terms of scoring. um, And it's made all the difference. Um, And now, you know, if you you roll the dice again, maybe in game four, it's Al Horford who has another show out game. Um, And it might be Marcus Smart again. You build that confidence up, um, you know, in, in a player that's not a traditional scorer. Uh, and then watch out. I mean, right now, um, if you wanted to say the MVP of, you know, of the of the finals right now, if obviously if the Celtics win, you would probably go Jalen Brown or, or Jason Tatum. But, you know, low key, watch out for Marcus Smart as this finals goes on. I mean, he's he's kind of playing like a weird Andre, you know, Andre Iguodala role where he's not the main monster. Uh, and then just kind of comes
0: out of nowhere. Right. It's, it's incredible. A couple more things I want to point out with this. Um, here's a stat that just blows my mind, Tom. Um, the Celtics team is so good at bouncing back. Uh, Udoka has shown a really good job of adjusting, you know, responding to losses. Did you know, Tom, that the Celtics – their record in the 2022 playoffs following a loss 7 and 0 this postseason after a loss. It ties the record for most consecutive wins following a loss in a single postseason in NBA history. Um that's incredible. That's and to me that that's about coaching. You know, Udoka, I think, has has out coached Steve Kerr by a mile this series and one of the things that i point to that should be a point of frustration is the way that kerr has handled steph curry's minutes uh you know the the rest time you know we we look back at you know game one and you know he he pulled him to get rest and the lead evaporated and the warriors went on to lose the celtics right and then here in game three he adjusts steve kerr adjusted steph's rest time so that Steph could play the entire fourth quarter. It was 85-83. The Celtics were, you know, right there, toe-to-toe with the Warriors when they rested Steph. And then the Celtics went on that 31-17 run to win the game, win game three, and go on to, uh, you know, take that 2-1 series lead. So with that being said, Tom, this is the NBA Finals now. I mean, it's put up or shut up time, right? I mean, why are you pulling your best player? I mean, at this point, and Steph, I know he's a little bit older now, but he's still a great player. Um, There's a championship on the line now. Why are you even pulling Steph Curry? I mean, play, we've seen what Jimmy Butler has done with the Miami Heat. I mean, this is the, this is the finals now. Play him as close to 48 minutes as possible. Why are you pulling him – and letting these leads evaporate uh, as quickly as they do, to me, that falls on Steve Kerr completely.
1: I mean, yeah, you got to let him play as as much as possible, especially with NBA Finals. This is no rest and recover type situation. You don't have the rest of the summer to do that. I mean, play him the full forty eight. If it if it you know if it means winning the NBA Finals, you you run him until the gas is out. That's what he's getting paid the big bucks for. And I'm sure he's a little frustrated at that as well. Um, I mean, you know, Clay and, and Steph definitely want to win this just as much as anybody on the Celtics does. Um, you know, obviously didn't, not really seeing that from, from Draymond uh, in, in terms of his play and reactions on the court. Uh, it sounds like he's making it about himself. But, uh, you know, I, I think you're absolutely right. You know, is you, out coaching Kerr right now, and it's, was obvious in game three tonight and and we'll see if it's obvious in game four. And like we said earlier, if, um, you know, Celtics go on and win game four, which should be, what would that be? Is it going to be Friday night or Saturday night? Um, You can, I would, I would say you can probably write this one in the books. If Celtics win game four, I've said that at the beginning though, Jones, I'd like to go back. I'm going to go back after we're done recording to see when I said, I think it was April 27th. On the April 27th show that we did, I think I, I think we picked who was going to the finals or who we picked to win it. And I've been full Celtics from the beginning. You have. Uh, I'll just I'll pat myself on the back for that one. But so maybe I'm riding it too hard here to the end. But um, I really do think if and I'm I i would not be the only one to say this Friday games at 8 p.m. Um, if Celtics pull that off, Celtics can win that game. Uh, You know, wouldn't be shocked if you were riding potential gentleman sweep. Uh, Wouldn't be shocked if it was game six. I mean, the Warriors have to play this next game like it's an elimination game.
0: Right. Yeah. And everything that we talked about could be out the window if the Warriors find a way to tie up this series. With that being said, Tom, uh, what do the Warriors need to do differently here? If they want to get back in this series, if they want to tie it up 2-2, What do they need to adjust and and get back on track? For me, it's two things that jump off the page. One is Draymond's just got to play better on both ends. I mean, he's got to step up. You can't be fouling out, you know, 35 minutes into the game and, you know, just having little production being so ineffective. Draymond's got to be better, and they got to manage Steph's minutes better. Those are the first two things that come to mind. What comes to mind to you of what the Warriors need to do to get back in this series?
1: Uh, I think they need to change some things up. You know, somebody mentioned where is um, – where's James Wiseman? I don't know if he's injured or what it's to him. Um, but you look at it, uh, you know, you could go small ball here, um, and that's been the Warriors. What happened to the death lineup? And I believe that was Steph, Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson, Draymond, and Wiggins. Yeah. All the floor. Are you really getting bodied that much by Horford and Williams? Right, is that the problem? Is is that the matchup problem that we talked about, that you don't have the big guy to get down low? I mean, you have Kaminga, uh, who is very green, obviously. He's in, in – and I don't know where Wiseman's at. Is he injured? He's not even on the list here. Um, I'm seeing people say, hey, bring in James Wiseman. Where's James Wiseman? Uh, you got to give him a chance. He was the sec- what, second overall pick a couple of years ago. Um I don't know. I'm looking that up now. Um, he didn't even play. Um, let's see. Here was an article seven, seven hours ago. James Wiseman, during shoot-around of TD Garden before game three between Golden State and, or, and Celtics, Wiseman was on the court working on his jump shot. Um, okay, I guess he has a right knee injury that shut him down for the season, but he's out there playing. I you know we've seen players who have injuries go in the finals and then mess them up for the rest of the next season. Uh, that would be Kevin Durant. So maybe the, the Warriors have learned from playing players, even in the finals, who have an injury that could could overdo them. But Jones, if if it's the big man problem, then you have to if if, if Draymond's not working, you got to figure something else out. Put Kaming in there. Put uh, what's his name Bellica or whatever his name is the other bigger guy that they have um you know looney got 17 minutes compared to Draymond's 35 um you know i, I don't know what I've, i don't know what else to tell you i mean if it's it's there's no way you can tell me that Horford and Williams the two big men um for Boston i guess they have two uh, not i mean Grant Williams too is kind of a bully down low um but you can't tell me they're nineteen points and eighteen rebounds is the reason that they're beating uh, an all-world team with Jordan, Poole, Clay Thompson, even Steph Curry. Um, I mean, you can't you know, you can't tell me that. I mean, Looney has had good games. Put him in for more minutes. You got to. I mean, if, this right now, Jones, I, in my opinion, falls on Steve Kerr's coaching and on Draymond Green. I mean, Steph put up thirty-one. Clay Thompson put up 25. Wiggins, a cool 18, one from six though, so somewhere. But uh played Jordan Poole more. Man only had 10 points. We've seen him go off. Um, you All know, right. if you yeah, want to call him the
0: third splash bro, you gotta give him an opportunity to prove it.
1: Yeah, I mean, swap him out, and and if it's obviously not working, you lose by 16, you know, you lose game one. You coasted, I feel like that first game they thought they had it in the bag coasted and then the Warriors or the, sorry, apologies, Celtics came back and and surprised them and turned this series on its head. Um, and, and now Celtics have control, have another game in Boston. Um, come Friday and, you know, it'll be a long plane ride home. If, if Boston pulls out, you know, game four, obviously, like you said, this goes out the window. If, if Golden State gets their head out of their ass and, and beats Boston at TD Garden, then we're coming down to game five. Essentially, I forget what the percentage is, but it's probably like 70% or more that the winner of game five takes the series. Um, so that would give Golden State home court back. Could go out the window. But right now, if I'm a betting guy, I'm putting my money down on the Celtics team to win game four in Boston.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be a popular pick. Tom, here's some statistics for you. I don't think you're going to be surprised by this, but in these first three games, the Celtics have more points, rebounds, assists, blocks, higher field goal percentage, higher three-point percentage than the Golden State Warriors. They're beating them in every way. The three points is shocking.
1: Right? That is shocking. Um, we know Jalen can hit him, Tatum can hit him. I've seen Smart make some. Derek White can shoot threes for some. For most part, Horford's a good shooter considering his size. When you have Poole, Clay, Steph, even Draymond um, left open, I've seen him hit multiple threes in a game where people go say, "Go ahead." And he'll drain it from the top of the key. Um, So, yeah, that is the three-point percentage is shocking. Um, Yeah, I mean, if that continues, that's – I mean, that's as good as you can get on paper. Uh, I mean, I I think for the Celtics you have to – I think it's even more so important for them to say, hey, let's go win game four, give us some insurance in the bay. And then if it doesn't work out game five, we can come and end this
0: on our home court in game six. Yeah, it's, uh, it's something I can tell you that right now. Uh, one more thing, and then we'll uh, move on here, Tom. Uh, we heard this week from LeBron say that if he had to pick between one of these two teams who he'd rather play with, he said he'd pick the lawyers. LeBron really good on that, that GM front, right. Um, <laughs> based on how this series is going, but nonetheless, uh, LeBron, when he says things, Tom, I, I don't think he says things just to say things. Um, we've heard the rumblings about possible trade and Magic Johnson, you know, suggesting that the Lakers should trade him, that LeBron's not happy with things. Um, the last time that the, you know, Warriors, you know, lost, uh, you know, got, you know, lost a title that they they shouldn't have. I'll put it that way because the Raptors series, was a situation where, you know, they they got injured and such, you know, that um, the the last one they shouldn't have lost, that LeBron and Cavs uh, finals, um, you know, they responded by bringing in Kevin Durant that next offseason. Now I wonder, kind of connecting some dots here, if the Warriors, let's say if the Celtics take care of business and win this series pretty easily, five, six games, whatever it may be. How do the Warriors respond in the offseason? Maybe this is getting a little too ahead of myself here, but if they don't get the results they want here in this finals, do you think the next push is for the Warriors to try to go after LeBron James in a trade?
1: Uh, be, uh, maybe. I don't know who they would give up. Who would the Laker, who would the Lakers take? I mean, if LeBron forced himself out. Like Thompson? I mean, I don't know. I mean – Clay has been playing relatively well. LeBron sure is LeBron, but he's also aging. Steph is not getting any younger. I, granted, Clay's not either. Um,
0: Clay's had his history of injury issues.
1: Right. Um, I mean, you give him Clay and Draymond and three first round picks, two first round picks. I don't know. That would be very interesting. I would even hate the West Coast basketball more so than I do right now. I would hate that. I would absolutely hate it. And I would, I, I think everybody else would. And I guarantee there would be some ring chasers that would go to the Warriors too. They would, they would fill out the roster and I would hope they would be just as bad as the Lakers are now. That also would leave the Lakers in a, okay, sure. We will take clay and I don't know, camingo and a couple first round picks, but where does that leave Anthony Davis? He's not, Anthony Davis is not going to want to be on the Lakers. As big and cooler as the Lakers are, you know Anthony Anthony Davis. I think is my age. I'm gonna check. Um, just to just to prove a point here, he's 29. He just turned 29 in March. He's my age. Graduated class of 2011. Yada yada yada. Growing up, you know my age. We idolized Shaq and Kobe Lakers. Big man like him. He probably even watched Carl Malone at one point on the Lakers. Um, and Rick Fox, uh, Derek Fisher, Rick Fox, Carl Malone, Shaq, Kobe team. Um, you know, as cool as that was growing up, saying, oh, the Lakers are my team. Everybody was a Lakers fan. Um, I think Andy Davis, if LeBron gets traded, he's immediately going to win out. And I, to be honest, the flack that he's gotten so far, for being the bitch that he's played like he probably is thinking about where's my next team um if the lakers make that trade for clay and let's say jonathan Camingo or wiseman or even draymond that's not going to move the needle for them enough they're going to have to go figure something else out they would immediately in my mind go i mean if lebron leaves even with, with or without a trade, to the Warriors or whoever else. In my mind, the state of the Lakers now, you're not going to get any better in a trade package that's going to make you a contender. So that would uh, the Lakers would essentially have to just say, okay, we're going back to the rebuilding stage, which is awesome for, for non-Laker fans. I'd love it. I'd love to see the Lakers in the rebuilding phase the rest of my life.
0: Um, I don't know if the Lakers – want to humble themselves enough to go into the rebuilding stage.
1: That's what I'm saying. I think if it's up to them, they'll ride LeBron all the way until he can't ride no more. I mean, then they'll they'll say, okay, well, LeBron's retired. Now we can start rebuilding.
0: If it were up to me and you, if you put us in charge of the, of the Lakers, Tom, you and I would say to ourselves, this team is closer to, rebuilding and getting to the top than trying to put band-aids on this thing and get back to the top. I I I would deconstruct this roster and start over, try to get what draft capital you can and go from there. But I don't think that the Lakers are going to do that. I think as long as they have the management that's in place there, that they're going to try to make this work, probably try to get rid of Russell Westbrook and uh, you know, try to try to scapegoat things that way. But um, another factor, too, I think, as far as the LeBron trade idea, potentially to Golden State or somewhere else, to keep in mind. Look, when when, when Bronny James enters the league, whenever that may be, and granted, Bronny's about a four-star recruit right now. Um, LeBron James may know known he wants to be on the same team as as Bronny. The the chances of LeBron and Bronny James being on the same team are 1-30, and um, you know, as far as right now. If him ending up in the Lakers, 1-30. So more than likely you're going to lose LeBron down the road to that team wherever Bronny's at, um, you know, in the future. So if you know you're going to lose LeBron at some point and that he is getting older and that, uh, you know, his – his chance of draft capital is not going to be any higher than it is now. And that he's, you know, uh, in a situation where they are not close to competing right now. To me, that makes the logical sense of moving on from LeBron James, whether it's sending him to Golden State or somewhere else. Um, That's what I would do, Tom.
1: I mean, they could go ahead and send him to Oklahoma City um, already. That's where he's going to be when Bronny gets drafted to OKC in about three years. Can you imagine I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I mean, OKC has the most picks. I mean, they might as well go ahead and get him a home and, in Edmonton right now. He's going to be in either Oklahoma City or Houston, one of the two. Uh, maybe find himself back in Sacramento, or you know, back in back in not too far from the Bay.
0: That's what I want, Tom. If you it were up to me, LeBron's next destination, uh, you know, with him and his son make them play for a small market team, like put them in, you know, somewhere like Oklahoma city or Memphis or uh, Sacramento, something like that. I mean, r- really make them get away from the big city life and, and and not like Cleveland where he was from. No, I, I, I want this to be somewhere he wouldn't willingly choose to go to.
1: Right. If I could pick a team that would be tough, that would be like, well, LeBron's old, they're probably gonna lose a bunch of games. Not so much. I mean, they could they could even end up like on a team, you know. I'm thinking of the of the timeline here, the way things are going for the Trailblazers right now. Maybe even Portland. Um the Kings have obviously mismanaged. I think the Kings are the worst and the most mismanaged team in the entire NBA. Um so I think the Kings um, it would be wild in Memphis. Can you imagine? Can you imagine Job ja Morant in a couple of years with an aging LeBron, and then Bronny comes in? Memphis would be, in, and Beale Street would be a route. I don't, I don't, I don't know if they could handle that much, honestly. Yeah, but I, put it this know. way,
0: Tom wouldn't be making another late night run around Bill Street again. I might make more. I don't know.
1: <laughs> uh, the tickets would be a, a, would be unreal. Um, honestly, that would be something, um, you know, I, the storybook Cav ending the way that I think the NBA thrives on storylines is somehow by God, the Cavs are going to end up with Bronny LeBron's going to come home for one year to Cleveland and play with his son. And then he's going to retire in the sunset. If I was a betting guy, I'm putting money on the Cavs end up with Bronny LeBron comes back to Cleveland for one more season. They don't make the playoffs. He tries to put up more points in his last game than Kobe did. And then he walks off in the sunset.
0: Three years. Yeah. We shall see. Uh, Coming up next, TJ Reeves is uh, set to join us as uh, we will get his thoughts on uh, the Live Golf Tour, which starts this weekend. Also look ahead to the U.S. Open. We'll also get TJ's thoughts on the NHL Stanley Cup finals and uh, also talk some football with TJ Coach Bogan to join us for the football fix with the latest on Deshaun Watson. And we'll have our Tom Fullery story of the week, Big 12 breakdown. We're also going to draft uh, the biggest bus of all time, not just in sports either. Still more to come. Stay with us here on the Jones Report. Joining us now, the Jones Report this week, as we have plenty of topics to cover. With TJ Reeves, who is uh, back on the program once again, good friend. And TJ, before we get to the business of the day, I I understand you have a bone to pick with me of wearing a Chicago Bulls shirt in Chicago. I thought I was just trying to fit in. I thought I was trying to look the part.
2: Okay, so uh, I do have to say to the audience that I am very big on the Summer of Jones. A year ago, 2021, the Summer of Jones made its way to Tampa. I am disappointed to this point, and it's June, it's early. We can still have it happen, that the Summer of Jones has not made its way back to Florida and back to Champa Bay. I want you back here uh, for the Summer of Jones. But I did see you in Chicago and, and hobnobbing and being around in Chicago. And then I see you in the old school Michael Jordan, early 80s, uh, red Chicago Bulls, like 1985, 1986 a script cursive Chicago on the job. And I'm like, what does my man Tyler Jones know about the 1980s? You weren't on the planet in the 1980s summer of Jones. I just had to put that out there.
0: Hey, I had to fit in. I love MJ and I thought it looked great. Bought it off a guy on the street for like 25 bucks. I'm not looking back.
2: But wait a minute, you were at Wrigley Field, and I saw you, and I, and again, you've been somewhere there that I have not been. I have been by it. I have not been in it. So I bow to the Summer of Jones. It's been in Wrigley to watch a Cubs game. But you put on social media that you had a you had a shirt about the bullpen and something, and you literally had somebody buy the shirt off of you at the game. That is confirmed. That is what happened?
0: So I'll tell this story. We talked about this at the beginning of the show, but – I'll uh, bring this up again so at uh after the first game I I hung out in Wrigleyville during the first game didn't go but I did buy a shirt off the streets that one that said uh make the bullpen dance again I thought it was funny I didn't know what it was but I thought it was funny and it was a generic baseball shirt I thought like okay I'll buy it and then I can wear this again to other ballparks whatever no one will think anything of it um well, then I go to this bar that my buddy was bartending at, and you know they have a drink. And, and This is a
2: Wrigleyville bar right by Wrigley?
0: Yes, yes, just down the street. And uh, this gal comes up to me, and she says, I want your shirt. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, I, I want your shirt. How much for it? I'm like, "Uh." <laughs> She says, are you going to the game? And I said, "Uh, uh, tonight. And I said, well, I was planning on it. Uh, I haven't bought a ticket yet. And she says to her husband, well, why don't we just buy you a ticket? And I take your shirt. I'm like, okay. And she tells her husband.
2: Now, now, time out. I, I have to stop the Summer of Jones. Is this a frequent occurrence right now in the Jones social life? I know you've relocated to the Dallas-Fort Worth area. You're moving up the ladder. You're moving up the status chain, the social chain. Do you frequently have unknown women come up to you wanting to buy your clothes off of you? What's Uh, up with that? Uh, I mean, that's –
0: what a story. This was a first. (laughs) I can tell you that right now. Probably a last uh, by all accounts, but I guess we'll find out. But anyways, so she comes up to me and wants my shirt – and offers to buy a ticket. And she tells her husband that, you know, hey, you know, because I'd mentioned, yeah, yeah, this would be my first game. She's like, well, you need to get him a good seat, not just, you know, a nosebleed seat, whatever. So, TJ, these folks, I kid you not, they went out of their way to buy me a front row seat in the bleachers at Wrigley, the iconic bleachers.
2: <laughs> Are you sitting with them? No, no, no. They, they just didn't go. got you a seat.
0: They just got me a seat and $88 tickets for my shirt I bought for 15 bucks.
2: (laughs) So obviously you're plus 73 and you're in the front row of the bleachers.
0: And it got a little cold. So I'm like, okay, I got some extra cash. Now I'm going to go buy a hoodie. And so I bought a Cubs hoodie to wear at the game. And uh, then later at the end of the night, I ended up getting that Michael Jordan shirt too.
2: Listen, I mean, listen to you. And you had not met these people and they bought you a legit front row ticket in the Wrigley bleachers, right, right field or left field
0: bleachers? Uh, it was in left field.
2: How about uh, that? This is tremendous. The summer of Jones still rules. It still rules. And I'm off to a great to be start in
0: twenty twenty two.
2: This is tremendous. This is why I love being with you.
0: Yes. So, with that said, before we move on to the the business in hand, uh, you you want the summer of Jones to come back to Tampa? Do you have any other recommendations? Anything that needs to go down? Any. Uh, any orders for me to accomplish in this summer of June.
2: well are you talking about if you come here or before you come here because or in general yeah just in general all right so this has the summer of jones ever ventured west like west coast summer of jones to do like los angeles to do like las vegas or i know you've been in arizona before how yes. far I'll west? be back
0: in phoenix in july that's the okay. plan but everything else is it's always DVA. good to be
2: in Phoenix in July where you can fry an egg <laughs> outside on the ground or your hey, forehead or a car hood.
0: I told somebody the other day, dry heat doesn't count.
2: I don't know about that. I talked to a buddy of mine that helps me with some different stuff in Phoenix. He said, yeah, it's 108 today. This is, this is June. This is early June headed to be like 118 or 122 or whatever. I love the idiot.
0: state of Florida, though you guys do it right we now. Got
2: to come this way. We just got to keep the hurricanes out of the way, babe. And I'm not talking about the football team down in South Florida. I'm just saying, some, from time to time, we have some storms. We got the beaches. We <laughs> got to get to the golf course, you and me. We did not make that happen on the summer of Jones. Uh, 2021, but maybe you got to come this way, and we got to get to the golf course, okay? And go hit a golf ball, and I know that's going to segue in, w- into what you want to talk about here yes. on the Jones Report.
0: Yes, as the uh, the former man of the uh, PGA Tour radio, uh, I, I figured TJ. All these golf talking heads, everyone wants to stay away from talking about live golf, but I know mm-hmm. that you'll keep it real. You'll be honest mm-hmm. with me. Live golf starting this weekend. Phil Mickelson involved. Sergio Garcia, several others. What do you make of what has gone down? And are you taking this league as legitimate? Are you you see this as a serious competitor to the PGA here?
2: At the moment, as we release this podcast, how can you not? It's obviously legit. Who's I, I was thinking of this when you were saying that. Who's laughing now? When you have these names that are now playing, this is not no-name PGA Tour and European Tour players. This is Dustin Johnson, one of the premier players of the last decade. Phil Mickelson, who's already a playing Hall of Fame member who most recently won a major championship at 50 years of age last year and is one of uh, arguably the two biggest names in the sport in the last 30 years are Tiger Woods and Phil, Phil obviously now associated with it. And then you add into it the likes of Sergio Garcia. And now the report out on Wednesday as we release the podcast here with the debut of this tour that when they come to the United States and play in Portland in a couple of weeks, that hello, Bryson DeChambeau and Patrick Reed, who are not only multi-time winners on the PGA tour, but have won major championships, reed the masters DeChambeau, the U S open, as well as the U S amateur. Those are some names. So yes, you have to take this seriously. And I am going to be fascinated to watch all of this unfold with the draft that they have done. Again, they have a team concept in play at the same time as the individual prize money and purses. And the team concept is what's going to be at the very end, the final event of the year at Doral in October, Doral, which is in Miami, which is owned by uh, former president, Donald Trump, that, that team event purse is like over $60 million, the winning team, two man team is going to make 16 mil, just like the Tyler Jones money. uh, with what you roll with. So how can, to answer your question, how can you not be peaked curiosity wise on how this is going to go with the ridiculous money that is being thrown around and the big names that have already gravitated to it. And my understanding is there are going to be several other names that as this unfolds this summer for the live, a golf series in the United States, you're going to see two or three, maybe more big names that now come play in these other events. So stay tuned, because they've already gotten several of them this week, obviously.
0: So with that being said, we heard Tiger say a few weeks back that he's not going to be playing on the tour again, anytime soon anyway. He's focused solely on majors. All these guys that have deflected or going to the Live Tour and denounced their PGA Tour membership, How much trouble is the PGA tour in right now? How does the PGA tour respond to
2: all this? Great questions. And so there's, there's one theory that's out there that they are ready to lower the boom tomorrow Uh, at the time we're releasing the podcast for the Thursday opening round of this live golf series, which again is a three-day event, not a four-day event, a 54 hole event. And much the same way Tyler, as you and I have participated in these things, it is a shotgun start. They're going to put the golfers all over the course and blow the air horn, and they're going to start – I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, Some I don't like that idea doing.
0: for TV. I like seeing the leaders at the end.
2: I guess, but that, maybe they're not going to do it in the final round, but at least for the first couple of rounds, maybe to speed up play, etc., cetera, be it, have less TV time, uh, what have you um and it's going to make it tougher for the scoring to keep up with what what is their score what hole are they on because you can't chronologically keep up with hey they're on the 13th hole they've played 12 holes already they may be on the 13th hole and they've only played five holes so you got to be careful with that too but in any event is the pga tour ready to drop the hammer when this thing tees off is the tour going to announce that all of these players are not just suspended for a few weeks for a few months but they are suspended from the pga tour maybe for The rest of this year, all of 2023, I had somebody that sent me a text message and said, you may be seeing the phrase lifetime ban. And I said, Really, lifetime bans for these guys? I mean, what does a lifetime ban really mean in pro sports anymore in the United States when we hear lifetime ban and then they're reinstated in major league baseball or lifetime? And then on the flip side
0: of that too, if you're the PGA tour and you're trying to compete, how does that help you by banning the guys that you need essentially to get back?
2: Well, the, the belief would be that by doing this right now, that you would basically detour anybody else besides DeChambeau and Reed who have announced, hey, we're going to play in Portland but aren't playing yet, from jumping. That, that by saying, you're never going to be back here. And, and I guess that's the nuke button, is it not, Tyler? That's it the is. nuke button from the PGA Tour. But here's the other factor on this. The PGA Tour doesn't control these major championships. Not Mm -hmm. one of them. They control their own, the Players' Championship. But in terms of the Masters, the PGA Championship, the U.S. Open, and the Open Championship, or what we refer to as the British Open, they're not in charge of those. So can they get those entities to go along with their nuke button? And the U.S. Open's
0: already said they won't, that guys will still be able to play next week. And
2: good for them because they're absolutely right to say – how do we tell Phil Mickelson, who won the PGA Championship last year, which exempts him for the U.S. Open not this, year, not just this year, but for several years to come, you can't play in our event when you qualified with winning that. How do we tell Dustin Johnson, who got a 10-year exemption by winning the U.S. Open in 2016 at Oakmont, how do we tell him now you're not eligible to play when you are exempt and you've already qualified? Right. For this and the USGA also realizes, what are we doing to ourselves if we tell Phil and Dustin Johnson and now Patrick Reed and Bryson DeChambeau, who won this event a couple of years ago, how, how do we help ourselves if we're telling all of them, you can't play in this event? How does it help our event? Because ultimately, for the USGA, for the PGA Championship, for the Open Championship, more so than Augusta. Augusta is different. It's a private thing. They, they do their own thing. They have multi, multi, multi-million dollars. It's an invitational. But for these other events, they need the biggest names to come play in them because it helps sustain the existence of the USGA, the PGA of America, or the RNA. That's their crown jewel event. How do you tell the best players? How are they going to tell Louis Oosthuizen, who's playing in this thing, as they're about to play in St. Andrews later this summer, You're the former champion at St. Andrews, but we're now not going to let you play. Even though we've told every uh, British Open champion, every Open champion, you can play until you're 60 years of age. You can play this thing for the next 25 or 30 years, but we're now going to tell you you can't play, even though you won at St. Andrews back in, what, 2010, and now they're playing again at St. Andrews coming later this summer. I just don't see how that's going to go, but this is an evolving story. We'll see what the PGA Tour does, and we'll see who follows suit on the major side.
0: Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see how it all unfolds. Now, on the on the moral standpoint, here, here's where I'm I'm coming from because you know every, everybody's going to take on this you know one way or the other with this you know the Saudi involvement. But here, here's what I look at, TJ, is that these guys, uh, you know, we're, we're not seeing them make political statements here. You know, it's not something where you know I, I hear LeBron James, for example, talk about you know, all these issues gone on in America, but won't say, you know, a word about China and continues to take every penny he can from them. These guys that are part of this, you know, this league are, are not political and are not defending Saudi Arabia. I don't have any problem with, with, with them being a part of this league and, the stance they've taken. They haven't turned this into a political topic.
2: With the exception of Phil Mickelson, obviously just putting his foot figuratively in his mouth with the things that he said that got him into trouble, obviously. Uh, and, and he believed that that was being said in confidence off the record. The author, Alan Shipnuck said, nope, uh-uh. I, we were never off the record. I know what you said about these different things when I was, qu- you know, quizzing you about whether you would be involved. And this is what you said. And you explained it in detail. About what your decision-making process was, so he's been the only one. Um, and I agree with the argument that uh, look, there are a lot of these professional leagues, like the NBA, like the PGA Tour, the European Tour, and the worldwide game of golf, that go and play in places. They they go and play uh, world golf uh, championship events in China or in the Middle East, in in Dubai and the United Arab Emirates, and. And on and on, so they've been participating in those different places and taking the money and having events, and the PGA tours given their blessing. Uh, so I understand that, but you make a good point that if if the players are not turning it into a political thing, if they are simply there to play golf for the money, and, and, and to each individual his own to go try to make the money that you can make, I agree with you. They, they want to try something different, and they're there for the money. There is there is no question that the ridiculous money that's being thrown around is the major motivating factor to these guys being involved with trying this. If it was kind of a wait and see, maybe there's a few million dollars in this for you. That'd be totally different, but Greg Norman and the, and the financial backers behind it, they understood that. So what, what do we need to do? We need to pay ridiculous money to get the biggest names to agree and to come over here. And the ridiculous money is being thrown around too bad that, we don't have enough golf handicap to be involved in that conversation, Tyler Jones.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, if TJ and I are getting the call to to work that broadcast, I mean, we're picking up that phone call, you know. Well, hey.
2: yeah, you would have to listen right now for what they're putting together. Absolutely, they would, and they're coming to the United States, so you never know.
0: You yeah, never know. It's a, it's going to be interesting. As far as the U.S. Open goes next week, uh, up in Massachusetts, and it's going to be after this live golf. We're not going to see Tiger involved. Uh, I think it's going to be a very interesting U.S. Open to see these guys turn around and then compete. And, you know, we, we, there's, there's an old thing with the Ryder Cup that apparently these guys, as of right now, are taking themselves out of qualification for the Ryder Cup. Maybe we just do a Ryder Cup of PGA versus Liv.
2: Well, and th- there could be an option down the road where something like that is created. Keep in mind, again, the Ryder Cup... In the distinguish uh, part of this, in, in distinguishing between the different entities, the Ryder Cup is controlled by the PGA of America. Now they use the PGA Tour results to help qualify the American team, but there's still wild card picks, etc. Uh, the Presidents Cup is the creation of the PGA Tour. That is the United States against the rest of the world, not Europe. So the the Ryder Cup is the U.S. against Europe. The Presidents Cup is the U.S. against the rest of the world, and the PGA Tour controls that. So if if they're going to be heavy-handed and ban these guys, they're not going to be involved with the Presidents Cup. So I'll be interested, and believe me, all of this controversy is only going to fuel the interest in the U.S. Open. You know this, Tyler. When they show up next week after having played in this event in England, the likes of Phil and Dustin Johnson and Bryson DeChambeau and Patrick Reed will have not Patrick Reed and DeChambeau will have not played uh, in the London event, but they will be playing coming up. It's going to fuel the interest, my friend, big time, into how these guys are going to do in that event. And this is a historic place where they have not played the U.S. Open in over four decades. They did play very famously a Ryder Cup there in 1999 when the U.S. stormed back on Sunday and beat the Europeans. That's the famous Justin Leonard moment. I know you're now living in Texas. He's a Texan. He's now on the Golf Channel. The famous Justin Leonard putt. To beat Jose Maria Olathabel in the in the final singles match that mattered to win the Ryder Cup for the U.S. was at the Country Club Brookline, Massachusetts, in uh, in 1999, and uh, that moment will probably be shown on on the golf coverage uh, here this weekend. But they really they haven't had this kind of event with the big time names. They have been redoing some of this course and preparing for this for years, and now you have the live golf controversy kind of fueling the attention for all of it and who might win.
0: If you're a fan of controversy, and I am, White yes. yes, wouldn't it be great if one of these guys in the Live Golf Tour wins next week? Especially a guy that's already played, like if DJ or Phil or somebody, if they go from the Live Golf event to winning the U.S. Open, wouldn't that be the best? You know, it would be wild. Situation? I mean,
2: it would be like professional wrestling, which we're both. We're, I mean, I'm into it more than you are. It's like the the bad guy, the heel, wins the world championship right. on in the WWE. It's not bad for business that it's somebody that everybody hates that ends up winning sometimes. Uh, By the way, Louis Oosthuizen a year ago was runner-up in the U.S. Open to John Rahm. So that's a a name to obviously keep an eye on. I can still tell you, you referenced my PGA Tour days. I'll give you a quick story here on the Jones Report. I got the chance to cover the World Golf Match Play event, the World Golf Championship Match Play event, when it was in Tucson, Arizona, the one that's now in Austin, Texas, not far from, from where you are. And the year that I was covering it, this is now eight years ago, man, I'm getting old. So eight years ago, the year I'm covering it, Jason day eventually won it, but Louis Oosthuizen was in the semifinal with Jason day. I believe it was the semifinal. It may have been the Saturday quarter final. It was one of the two. I think it, it was the semifinal. So Oosthuizen is on the first hole and he had, he had already been hurting on Friday and again, this was when it was single elimination. He had won three matches Wednesday, yeah. Thursday, Friday. All right. So Friday morning, he's on the first hole after his warmup and he hits a drive and it's errant. Uh, and he's hurting. He's hurt his ribs. He's hurt his side. He's hurt something. So they bring the physical therapist out on the course, which this can happen. They don't want to default him. They want to give him time to get a little physical therapy. They're trying to work on his side, his rib. It apparently, as it turns out, Tyler, he had a rib out of place, something. All right, so he goes and he and he makes like bogey on the first hole, and so Jason Day is one up. I still remember this, in the desert of Tucson, Arizona. So Ustazen's on the second tee, and I'm on PGA Tour radio, and I'm calling this second shot, and I have no idea. He hits it right, and I have no idea where it has ended up in the desert. So I'm telling the guys on the coverage, it has ended up in the cacti and the desert right of the hole, which is not out of bounds, by the way. If he can go find his ball, and there were people trying to help him, he can play it from there. So I get over there and the ball is near the cacti, but he has got a stance and he has got a shot. So I report that back to my colleagues on the radio. Hey, he's got a stance in the desert. He's got a shot. And this is like a par five. The second hole, uh, the, the The resort is called uh, Dove Mountain. The Dove Mountain Resort in Tucson. Yeah. Second hole, par five. He's in the desert right of the hole. This is a great lesson on what had been drilled into me, which is do not ever think these guys can't pull these shots off. I mean, these guys do amazing things. So Oosthuizen is like wounded. His back is bothering him. He's had the physical therapist with him. He's got like 250 out of the desert, 250, much like Tyler Jones, 250 (laughs) yards to get to the green. So I'm probably 50 yards down in front of him along the fairway rope line. I've seen the lie. He's getting ready to hit Tyler. He hit a ball that whistled past me like a Barry Bonds home run ball. It was humming and making noise like a missile when it came by me, Louis Oosthuizen. Okay. That thing flew to the green, bounced one time right in front of the green, bounced a second time, and rolled up about 15 feet away. My comment on PGA Tour Radio is, I guess his back ain't that bad out of the desert if he just hit that shot. <laughs> Holy cow. So you just jogged me on Oosthazen. Who again is uh, is has won a major championship before the Open Championship? He's right. been a runner-up at the Masters, lost a playoff to Bubba Watson. You remember when Bubba hit it mm-hmm. out of the woods on the playoff hole in the tenth hole? He beat Louis Oosthuizen. Oosthuizen's been around the top five in majors, runner-up over and over again. Right. Keep an eye on him for the yep. U.S. Open next weekend as a dark horse South African Louis Oosthuizen.
0: All right, uh, let's shift gears now. Uh, you know me; I'm uh, I'm not much of a hockey guy, but. You know, within the last uh, few months, (laughs) I have become a lifelong Dallas Stars fan. There you go. uh, Overnight. Uh, TJ, the, the Stars got eliminated a long time ago, but your Tampa Bay Lightning have another shot at the Stanley Cup title. What's going on here?
2: Tampa Bay, brother. And by the way, the first championship in the bubble in the madness of 2020 came against the Dallas Stars in the Stanley Cup final um and and uh so the lightning are i remember that i was rooting
0: them on the entire time there yeah. you go but
2: i mean so they won in the bubble and then the lightning last year in the uh, in the attendance is gradually coming back stanley cup playoffs eventually beat montreal for the back-to-back titles and now as we release the podcast champa bay In the Eastern Conference final with the dreaded New York Rangers has even the series at two apiece. And down here in the Tampa Bay area where I am, this is an enormous deal. The Lightning have grabbed a hold. There's a lot of transplanted Northeasterners, a lot of transplanted Canadians, Midwesterners, a lot of people that we call the snowbirds that spend half of the year coming down here in the wintertime from Canada or the Northeast or the Midwest that come and stay half the year and then go back to where they live. There's a big hockey crowd, not as big as football and baseball, but there's a big hockey crowd in this market. So this area is on fire, my friend. You were talking about t-shirts. We need to get you the three-leave t-shirt with the number three replacing the B and believe. Three-leave t-shirts are on the on the market. They're on the billboards. Can the Lightning get a third straight championship? So as this podcast releases. They're playing the New York Rangers Thursday night at Madison Square Garden, game five, tied two games apiece, and then play Saturday here, guaranteed, game six, because it's a 2-2 series. What's going to happen in this series? The winner gets the Colorado Avalanche to play for the whole thing. And do you know the trivia question? Have we been talking about this? The last three-peat in any of the big four sports, do you know it off the top of your head on the Jones report? The last three-peat. I see you looking at me because I can um, see you. Let's see. The, last... the idea you got to go early 2000s. It's, 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 Was young the Lakers? For you. it is the Lakers. Okay. 2000, 2001, 2002. Shaq, Kobe, <laughs> and the Lakers are the last for the three Pete. Um, so, and and the NFL has had a couple of teams go back to back. New England most recently with Tom Brady in 03 and 04. That's Warriors won one. like
0: three out of four, but not three in a row. Yeah, right.
2: Correct. And the New York Islanders are the last team to win four in a row. They won three in a row and they won four in a row in the early 1980s. So this is rarefied air. I mean, Major League Baseball has not had this in the 2000s. You got to go back to the 97 or the 98, 99, 2000 New York Yankees for the last three repeat in baseball.
0: The last one, uh, you, you did skip one over. Uh, Jimmy Johnson and the 48 team won five championships <laughs> in a row.
2: In NASCAR. Yes. Right. But in team sports, the, in the, the 48
0: team won 48 uh, five team. in a row.
2: Yes. How many times did Chad Canals get suspended in, in, in and around that on that team? Uh, about for, three uh, or four times. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Tainted. Maybe tainted. You love controversy. <laughs> yeah, Maybe tainted. on that Uh, but in any event uh, this is rarefied air if they can get to the next round then that is all the talk about now I mean it has not happened in the NFL it has not happened in Major League Baseball in the 2000s the only other sport is the NBA's Lakers to get this so let's see what can happen with the lightning and the exciting hockey and the one goal drama we will find out
0: So of the remaining teams left, who's the one to beat, you think, at this point? Uh, Who's the best one remaining?
2: Colorado looks fantastic. They await the winner of this series. And I think the Lightning right now have some mojo on the New York Rangers. They lost the first two games, but they now have won the next two. And look, the the Rangers didn't even make the playoffs in the bubble year. They did not make the playoffs last year, so they've won a couple of playoff series this year. But who are we kidding, Tyler Jones, on the Jones Report? The two-time Stanley Cup champs are worried in a 2-2 series about going to Madison Square Garden, where they've been the best team on the road in the Stanley Cup playoffs the last two years, and including winning a Game 7 at Toronto earlier in these playoffs – the lightning, including winning the first two games in Miami and sweeping the Florida Panthers. The lightning aren't concerned with game, with game, uh, five in New York. Of course, I say that. And now people listening to the podcast after Thursday night are already knowing the lightning are in trouble in a game away from elimination, but we'll, we'll just see what happens. So I'm interested in the hockey. A lot of people are anxious for the hockey. We'll see what happens. My friend,
0: my, uh, my hot take on Madison square garden, uh, in my lifetime since 1996, uh, the Knicks have not been relevant. Not used that as a home advantage at all. I, I'm, you know, honestly, I think MSG's a little overblown, personally.
2: Knicks have not been in the NBA Finals since the lockout shortened season, I believe, of '98. Have not won a championship, hello, since 1971. Tyler, when I was a year old, you now know how old I am. Uh, the Rangers' only Stanley Cup win in the last 70 years is 1994, not even in this century. So you're right. The Garden ain't been rocking in the postseason in a long time.
0: <laughs> no kidding. Uh, on the NFL front, uh, I'm curious, TJ, uh, the, this Deshaun Watson situation as it has unfolded, um, you know, I think there was a belief, TJ, that when the federal charges were dropped – And when they made the move to Cleveland, that this would kind of all disappear. This isn't going away anytime soon.
2: No, it's a mess. He's got a new team and we still have the NFL. It's going to lower punishment on him. Is it a full year? Is it half a year? You have to believe after the NFL has suspended Ezekiel Elliott in the past without being criminally charged. And Ezekiel Elliott got like four games. Ben Rofflesberger, I think, got six games or got eight games. Got and was six not criminal- and got
0: reduced to four. Yeah. And
2: was not criminally charged. So Deshaun Watson has 24 accusers and counting and climbing. And now, by their own admission, there may have been as many as 60 plus women that were involved. And how many more are going to come forward? This is Get a, a mess. team
0: helping in the process, too.
2: Yeah, that the, that the Texans were somehow trying to keep this quiet, pay the women off, do, do whatever, help him with his defense. I, I don't know. It's, it's a mess. It's a mess that the Cleveland Browns welcomed into their organization. And the NFL, uh, for right now, I just saw, too, that, that uh, the, the NFL may have to take action here to once again uh, step in wh- while this in, it unfolds and, and whether there will be criminal charges uh, put in some point. I mean, it is, it is an awful subplot to the NFL season that this is still hanging out there. And the thing that I cannot get past and so many other people can get past is most of these star athletes have a tight circle. You know, this Tyler, mm-hmm. how, how is it that he has this many massage therapists? That's the thing that nobody, I mean, you can't reconcile that when so many of these guys have only one nutritionist, let's say, or, or only have their one or two agents that they trust and the people they trust with their money. So that's, that's just drawn so much attention on it is so many different women and they're all saying the same things happen to them. So I don't know where it ends for Deshaun Watson, the Browns and the NFL. We'll see.
0: Yeah. Uh, Last thing before we go, what's the mood in, uh, in Tampa as far as the uh, bucks go right now, uh, Tom Brady's back. We, we we talked about that last time you were here. Sure. And then Gronk, I guess, people are kind of waiting on a decision on where, where, what's the feeling towards the uh, box as uh, the NFC looks a little weaker, too.
2: Well, and, and Brady being back automatically makes you a contender. How big of a contender? We'll see. New coach, Todd Bowles, is now in. Bruce Arians uh, decides... Uh, to go ahead and and step aside and, and implement that. Hey, I want Todd Bowles to get the opportunity, which he's getting the former Jets coach. And he's been with Bruce Arians here in Tampa as the defensive coordinator and previously in Arizona. So he puts his stamp on the team. Don't know if I mean, Gronk has not signed yet. The belief is he will be back. I, I have talked to a couple people that have said, hey, it may not be a guarantee here. He may be enjoying life too much and may not come back in. I'll believe that when I see it. I think he will come back in for training camp and give it one more go. How healthy can these guys remain, Tyler? I don't know. But Brady and Gronkowski have made it fun here the last couple of years. Got a Super Bowl off of somebody's Chiefs, as I recall, a couple of years ago. Buccaneers chiefs is the summer of Jones going to come later in the year, like the fall of Jones for Buccaneers chiefs, Sunday night football in Tampa. Are you already hitting me up for that to get you in the front row? Like that couple at the beginning of our conversation, got you in the front row at Wrigleyville. I think it might be more than $88 to get in the front row of Buccaneers chiefs uh, for that Sunday night game coming in Tampa in October. But anyway, Brady's got the optimism going here. There's a lot of belief that the bucks are going to be a championship contender in the NFC. We'll see.
0: Man, you know, my, my buddy Will Scott, he called this the bummer of Jones, and now I got the fall of Jones. I'm taking punches from every angle. But, TJ, I <laughs> thought you were with me.
2: Listen, I'm all aboard on the summer of okay. Jones. Okay, just check. I'm all aboard on the fall of Jones for you coming here. Uh, we, will, we will make it happen. I'm just saying I can't guarantee that the Buccaneers won't be ready to rock those Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes again. I don't know that he's recovered yet from Ooh. those uh, interceptions in Super Bowl 55, brother.
0: I was right there. As the Bucks put it on the Chiefs, 31 to 9. I've been trying to erase that from my memory. Uh, that game <laughs> didn't happen. I, I'm still I, – I, I still got that Bengal game in my head as of late. That was – I, I was know, and the
2: Cincinnati Bengals, by the way, come to Tampa as well. Who knew on the schedule rotation that a Bengals game would have that kind of uh, relevance with Joe Burrow and company, but it does. This is going to be quite – I mean, the, the schedule begins where you are. I will be yeah. with you – for the opener in Dallas on Sunday night football week one with Brady and the Bucks, Hello, playing Dak Prescott and Zeke Elliott and the, uh, and the Cowboys on the Sunday night opener.
0: I'm actually going to try to go to that game. So,
2: yeah. I think I might be able to help with that. We will definitely see each other, and, uh, and maybe we get some golf in before that. I'm just putting man, that out there. Maybe I'm we do that. Let's
0: do it. Let's do it. Let's have a great time. TJ, appreciate the time, man. Thanks for joining us. Plug away before we let you go.
2: Hey, I always love being with you. Uh, You can follow me on social media at Sideline Guy. My man, Tyler Jones, is killing it. But you can follow my content there, including a lot of boxing stuff these days. We didn't talk a lot of boxing. Big Fight Weekend and the Big Fight Weekend podcast. We cover boxing there, podcast, website, the whole bit. And before we know it, the football season will be here. I love to freelance some college football with Compass Media. Nationally, SEC, Big Ten, Big 12, ACC football. National radio coverage with Compass Media. And some, other, and some other entities and outlets. But, hey, I have a blast with doing all of this. You hit me up anytime on the Jones Report, brother. Viva the
0: summer of Jones. Time for Coach Bo's Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can find O'Connor Advisory Group online, oagks.com, oconnoradvisorygroup.com. You can also... Check out O'Connor Advisory Group on Facebook and reach out to Bo by phone at 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. And you can also check out the Coach Bo Knows podcast out each and every Monday and Friday, wherever you listen to podcasts as Coach Bo joins us right now. Bo, you got a terrific series going on right now about NIL and uh, talk to a walk-on this week that his life changed for the better because of NIL.
3: Yeah, we got John Seaton on, on Monday, and if you don't know, he's on TikTok. He has like one and a half, it's over one and a half, 1.7 million followers. Tells a great story of how he was just during COVID, he was putting out content on TikTok every day, and it's the big boy council. He's a big guy. He's a tackle. And um, it just snowballed and snowballed, and now he is gone from a walk-on to and barely able to eat, afford to be able to eat and now he's got money and paying for school it's sort of the good side of nil and, and we're doing a lot of that here in uh june really going mean, for june and july we're gonna be doing a lot of nil stuff on the uh the monday coach bono spots
0: yeah it'll be a great great series there and uh, you definitely want to check that out if you get the chance coach Bodo's podcast out each and every monday and friday wherever you listen to podcasts Bo, uh, i've got to start with Deshaun Watson. Um, let's kind of take this step by step here, a, a recap to catch everybody up to speed of where things are at right now. At the time when the Browns traded for to Sean Watson, there were 22 civil lawsuits that have been filed since then. We've had, uh, a couple of accusers speak out to real sports with HBO with Brian Gumble. Uh, there have been two more lawsuits filed one as recently as this week. And then there's now this New York Times piece, which says that the uh, situation involved 66 different massage therapists that he visited. Not necessarily means that he assaulted or harassed, but yeah. that he went to 66 total. And on top of that, the Houston Texans uh, gave him non disclosure agreements to give out, as well as provided hotel rooms for these massages as well. So now we know the Texans were complicit. They were involved in this situation. So, Bo, now knowing the new details that have emerged, what is your reaction?
3: Well, if we didn't know it before, we know that we know that uh, Deshaun Watson's a piece of shit. I mean, let's just come out and say it. Uh, I mean, we knew it a while back, but now we see even more. And the stuff on real sports was damning. I mean, I don't know if he saw I mean, it.
0: I remember a point in time, Bo, when this first started, you, know, you and I had talked about it and you said, hey, you know, this is a situation that he should be able just to pay himself out of. At 24, I, th- there's there's no way. No,
3: when it was three, four, five, I thought, just cut the checks and get up out of here. 24, and, and I'm all for the, you know, situations where someone has a problem. Clearly, Deshaun Watson has a problem. But I have two things about this I really don't like. Well, three. First one is the Texans are absolutely complicit now. Absolutely complicit. If they were getting NDAs set up for these women, if they were supplying hotel rooms for Watson for these kind of, these kind of activities, that makes them complicit in the whole deal. Two, it just demonstrates in my issue with Watson himself is that Everything he has said publicly, he has said he's done nothing wrong. He doesn't realize what he's done. He has no remorse. It would be very easy for him to come clean and say, listen, I have an addiction. I have a problem. And he could probably gather some sympathy had he done that at any point, especially when the criminal stuff got out of the way. But now he can't do that. And he can't reverse, you know, reverse the motors in the boat. He's stuck. And there is nothing he can say now that's gonna make this any lighter. Um, the other one to me, the, for the third point that's hoping it upsets me is the Cleveland Browns making this trade. It is clear they did not do due diligence here. It's clear if the New York Times can get this information. You damn sure know NFL security and the Cleveland Browns could have got this information. And it tells me that they're in, and this has been a, this has been a group and a team that's had other issues with their ownership in the past. And now they're going to do something like this, make this trade and make this not just the franchise guy and their franchise quarterback but then guarantee his pay. Um, I think this is ridiculous on like three or four different levels. This has to end with a lengthy suspension for Deshaun Watson from the NFL. And I just, and he needs to show some remorse. And he's, and I don't know if he's capable of that at this point. I know that I'll never be a fan of his moving
0: forward. Even his attorney this past week. Harden comes out in an interview with the uh, one of the sports talk stations in Houston. And he says that, you know, just because somebody got a happy ending doesn't mean it's illegal. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, is that how far we've gotten in this situation that we're trying to defend happy endings? I mean, from the attorney saying this, I mean, this thing, I I I had a feeling, I don't know about you, Bo, I thought when the federal trial, you know, when the federal situation ended, when he was cleared federally, and then you know he gets traded. I thought, okay, well, I guess the suspension will happen, and that'll be it. This yeah. isn't going away anytime soon. This is far no, from over.
3: This is far from over, and this is just new information now. And it goes to show that this teams did not do the teams did not do any due diligence. The Browns did no diligence. Watson doesn't have. Any re- remorse for what he's done. Um, those two deserve each other now. The Browns and Watson deserve one another at this point. And I, I think it's just embarrassing, this whole situation, that this guy is going to be allowed to play football at all and to be given that kind of money as well. Wow, I just, it's utterly embarrassing on every level.
0: And then, add to this too you know i hear some people saying well because they're new accusers well the browns you know they could void deshaun's contract they could but what they can't do is give up all, get back all that draft capital they gave up in that trade that's that's done it over with no matter what there is going to be if deshaun watson never plays a game in the nfl again the browns are going to still have to pay for this one way or the other
3: yeah now you know this better than i do is his contract voidable with these two
0: new... Now it is, yes.
3: Now it's voidable, okay.
0: It was, not was pre- Cle- it was not previously before these two.
3: Okay. If I was the Cleveland Browns, I would totally void the contract right now. I would cut bait right now. Because you could still hang on to Baker Mayfield football-wise, too.
0: Yeah. Speaking I of mean, Baker... It-
3: and all this, but let me finish real quick. We'll finish, we'll get to Baker. Um, yeah, I would completely void him, void his contract. If, if they're able to do it, I'd void it. If they think they're able to do it, do it and go to court. Do whatever you gotta do to get out of this contract. Say that he did he didn't participate in good faith, whatever it has to be. The other piece of this is the NFL has to give him the longest suspension in history. This can't be, you know, I've been saying for months now. I thought it was gonna be six or eight games. That's how the NFL rolls. This has got to be two years, at minimum. I'd give him five. I would effectively end his career. I just would say, look, no, we can't have this. You've, you've, you've shown no remorse. You've, you've not worked in good faith with the league, and a partner of the league and the team. Done. I. It, my, my minimum would be two years. The way the contract is structured, if he's suspended for one year, he only loses a million dollars. He's got to go at least two. I'd go five, and I'd tell this guy he's never welcome back. I mean, I'd, I'd blacklist him.
0: Do you think there should be a punishment for the Texans' role in all this? I mean, yes. at the end of the day, here they are getting draft capital out of it.
3: Yeah, I think the Texans and the Browns should be you should lose something out of it. I think the Browns ought to lose what they've given up. And I think the Texans should lose those picks. At minimum. And if the Texans are found to have, if it's found that there is any demonstration of an NDA that actually was given, if this is true, that's damning too. And the Texans should be fined. They should lose any and all compensation they got for Deshaun Watson and penalize him some more on top of that. Yeah, I'd come down hard if I was if I was Goodell. I don't think Goodell is going to come down hard because his job is to is to be there for the owners. But it's time for the NFL to clean up their act with a few things, and this is one of them. This is a major one. And I think between this thing and Daniel Snyder, it's time for this commissioner to get his hands dirty when it comes to owners.
0: In this case now, with the information that's now available to us in this situation here, it feels like we've reached a point with the track record of Roger Goodell and you know just the events that have all unfolded, which is within the last couple of years. It feels like to me, both, this is a this is a make or break decision from Roger Goodell here. This is one that will define his legacy. And I think quite frankly, the image of the league this decision that they make right here
3: well i would bet that he's going to come down harder on watson than on any owner or any team i would stand to say that i'll bet he doesn't come down on either the browns or the Texans. Mm -hmm. i think that he'll just say hey the browns you made a bad trade too bad the texans you get to keep those picks Again, the first thing i take away is the compensation that the, that the Texans got. That's the minimum. Yeah. But we've seen that Roger Goodell will not penalize an owner. He just won't. Yeah. He hasn't right. done it. Now, going back to Jim Irsay saying his issues, Daniel Snyder's gotten away with everything. There's no chance that he's going to do something to the owners. He works for the owners. He's not going to hurt them. But he's going to take it to Deshaun Watson. I suspect Watson's going to get two years.
0: Okay. Um, Baker Mayfield, his uh, situation. Uh, we heard some reports this week that the Seahawks and Panthers could be making a move before uh, training camps begin, could have something even this week on that front, some reports there. But the Browns still hold on to Baker. They're awaiting this Deshaun Watson news. Um do you think the Browns are going to be calling up Baker and, you know, say an apology sometime soon or or any chance that he comes back in a Browns uniform this year? How does Baker get involved in all this?
3: I don't know. The Browns better send some cookies to his house or something. I don't know. They better do something and quick because they're going to be up the creek on the Watson thing now. That's going to look real bad to Baker. Baker's not going to get an extension or even ask for one now. He doesn't want to be there. Um, you know Cleveland can't trade him. You can't get anything for him because of his salary. And you can't trade him now because you might get Watson suspended. So it's all um gonna be just nuts. And I, I think in the end, I think that um I think Baker's gonna get gonna end up being a camp casualty. I think he's gonna end up getting cut this summer, and then someone's going to. Uh, bring him in when they have an injury. Or Carolina or Seattle say, God, our quarterbacks are awful. and Or maybe they're willing to give up, you know, a late round pick, you know, to, to do that in a trade. But there won't be a lot of compensation coming back for Baker Mayfield because of the nature of his contract. $19 million one year, year, no, you know, no extension in place. You know, there's not a lot of value there.
0: Right. Right. Um, now w- with Baker, um, uh, this is an opportunity for him, isn't it? I mean, if let's just say for all intents and purposes, the Browns come calling and say, Baker, we need you. The Sean's not playing, whatever it is. If you're Baker Mayfield, as much as you may hate this, uh, you know, how things are going in this Browns organization, um, wouldn't you, if you're Baker, wouldn't it be wise for him to at least put on the act, be a good teammate, go out there, try to prove himself and have a big year and be a good teammate and then go get paid somewhere else here? I mean, yeah. isn't it in Baker's best interest, even if he hate just absolutely hates it there, to at least go out there and, and be a good teammate and try?
3: Yeah, and he's got 19 million reasons why he wants to go on a roster this year. I mean, right. I mean, that's a lot of money, and you don't leave that on the table. He has not made that much money yet. He has not gotten paid that much per season. So, yeah, you don't leave almost $20 million on the table. So, yeah, I think you play the good soldier. You do what you got to do. I think you go and tell the Browns, hey, I'm not re-signing the contract. I'm not extending my contract. If you want me after this season, and if he goes out there and bets on himself and does well, then the Browns have got to pay him at free agency level.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And I think that's what Baker ought to do. I mean, if if he's confident in his ability, that's what he ought to go do. I think he should also hope that somebody wants him at this point too, and whether that be Carolina or Seattle, those are probably the two most like places. You know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be surprised if you see other teams, maybe the Giants, maybe uh, somewhere else, if a quarterback gets hurt. You know, if a Daniel Jones gets hurt, if a Jameis Winston were to get hurt, you know, if Tom Brady got hurt. Right. You know, I can see that. I can see where he'd be someone there. So there's opportunity for Baker Mayfield. It's about him being patient right now. Right. And knowing that worst case scenario, he's getting the 19 million. Right. Even if he's cut.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right about that. Let's, uh, let's talk about DK Metcalf. Uh, did not show up to mandatory minicamp. And before you say, well, he's injured. Well, uh, according to the Seahawks, that was not excused. His absence was not an excused absence. He could have been rehabbing in Seattle, as many notable Seahawks players, including Russell Wilson, have done in the past. Instead, he's in Los Angeles. The team did not approve of him being in los angeles and he could be fined uh close to a hundred thousand dollars by the seahawks if he doesn't show up to uh minicamp this week and uh on top of that you're you're looking at a situation where he wants a new contract um bo what do you make of this situation is this a big deal that he's not there
3: yes and no um i think it's a big deal in that if he wanted to work out a deal with the Seahawks, they would have been more amicable with where is he going to do this rehab and this sort of thing. It seems like the Seahawks are trying to play the hardball too here. Um if DK Metcalf's only do only do a little under four million dollars this year in salary.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, if he loses a hundred grand for missing minicamp, that's still not a lot of money. I mean, as a is a guy at his level, you can go make that money up somewhere else. Um, this sounds like it's just a bad, a bad argument. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a husband and a wife, or the husband sleeping on the couch for a weekend. You know, it's like, okay, you know, we got to figure this out. Um, DK Metcalf, uh, his people should talk to the Seahawks people and said, "Hey, we prefer to do our training down here in LA." with our trainer and our people here rather than in Seattle. And if that's a problem, then let's work something out.
0: See, here, here's the thing, though. I, I mean, don't know. I,
3: but I don't know that that hasn't happened. And I don't know that Seattle hasn't come back and said, well, it is a problem. Get his ass up here.
0: So he was at. Know. You was would at, know better than I would on this. He was at voluntary workouts yeah. this spring uh, that he did not have to be at that were voluntary. Yeah. And then in this case, he doesn't show up to mandatory minicamp I don't think this is a coincidence, Bo. I think that this is him making a it. statement here. I think that this is – it's a holdout, quite frankly. I don't know if it's going to last into training camp or whatever, but I think he's sending a message here.
3: No, and, you know, there's a new rule with, with whole training camp holdouts. Somebody understand that you can't get your fine money back on training camp holdouts. Usually those are forgiven when you got a new contract. They can't forgive those anymore. So, um, yeah, I – Maybe this is DK Metcalf saying, "Hey, it's cheaper to hold out for for minicamp and show them I'm serious than for training camp." Let's see what happens when training camp starts. If he's at training camp and maybe he's just not participating, then we know what's going on. I, I wouldn't. I don't think you're off, but I don't know that. I do think there's a there's a there's a, a mindset here. It's definitely, "Hey, I want my money." This is he yours. wants his money. This it's a calculated a, move. Absolutely. And I think it's better for him financially to do that now than to do it during training camp, which is right. more expensive.
0: Yeah, I think you're right about that. Also, uh, on new contracts, uh, we see Aaron Donald gets his money. He gets paid. Um, the best defensive player in football, first bout Hall of Famer, Super Bowl champion now already. And quite frankly, he's still in the prime of his career. For me, Bo, about this, uh, we heard Aaron Donald talking in retirement, um, you know, just a couple of months ago after winning the Super Bowl. I'm sure the Rams, they're looking at this and they're saying, Aaron, we-, we weren't worried about you, you know, going off to another team. We want to pay you whatever it takes just to just to keep you in the league, keep you here.
3: Yeah, I mean, this looks like uh, – I-, I pulled up the contract on, uh, on over the cap. It looks like – He's just getting 60 million extra dollars for the next three years. Um, he's getting a bunch of bonus money, uh, which he got up front. It's prorated for over, the, over five years of the contract. The last two are void years, uh, which basically means there'll be salary cap issues those two years if the contract is ended, if he retires, or if they, um, if he's traded or released. What I suspect, and this is pretty smart in my view, Donald got more money for 2022, 2023, 2024. My guess is if he's still playing at this level in the 2024 season, he gets an extension that year for two to three more years, paying him about what he's making now or whatever the market will bear for a player of his caliber at that time. And they'll work out the bonus money and, and, Salary cap issue at that time. Um, these teams are making these deals now without worrying about the salary cap because they know that the future money is so high because of all the streaming rights and the TV deals and everything else. So the, a lot of teams are just saying, well, whatever. We'll just pay it later. Um, Donald's getting getting his money up front, though. I mean, he's he's getting $31 million this year in salary. That's,
0: that's a lot of money. Do you think he was serious about his retirement talk?
3: No, no. I think that was a ploy to get his money and get paid now. I think if he hadn't have gotten paid, I think he'd have considered it. I think it's better to say, well, you know, I won't, I'll play for 30, but I'm not playing for 12.
0: For but a, a guy, his talent, though, wouldn't every team in the league pay that price for Aaron Donald?
3: Yeah, there's nobody that wouldn't have paid him. I mean, that's the thing. The only issue before this is that he still had two years left on his contract. If he'd have retired, the Rams would have retained his rights for two years. Someone would have had to trade for the rights, and in which case you're paying a big hefty amount to do that. Um, and and really, what do you give to get Aaron Donald? I mean, you give, what, five first, five number ones? I mean, he might be the greatest interior defensive lineman of all time.
0: I was just about to ask you actually, how I mean, does he I, how does he stack up among the all-time greats, you think? He's
3: in the argument with Reggie White with me. I mean, Aaron Donald in his prime right now is as good as any defensive tackle, defensive end that has ever played the game. I mean, you top the top, you know, front pass rushers or the guys like Reggie White, um, Lawrence Taylor, of course, the linebacker, but he was a pass rushing linebacker, you know, Bruce Smith. Aaron Donald's in that argument. And to me, he's the best interior guy I've ever seen. I've never seen an interior tackle. A tackle who is as dominant as Aaron Donald.
0: What amazes me, too, is we've been saying that Aaron Donald is the best defensive player four or five years now. I mean, usually with defensive players, whoever's the best, maybe a two-, three-year run at best. Um, you know, like Darrell Revis at one point was the best yeah. defensive player in the league for a hot minutes. Richard Sherman was for a hot minute. I mean, the stability, I mean, the longevity of Aaron Donald, I think is going to be a great story for his career.
3: Yeah, the only player that I can think of on the defensive line at all, and this guy was a defensive end, was Reggie White. I mean, just someone that you had to make sure you had two bodies from the guy every snap. Donald is that guy. I mean, we've seen plays, you've seen them too where they put three guys on Donald. I've seen Donald triple-teamed on snaps, which is phenomenal. You you want that as a coach, as a defensive coordinator. I'd love to have my guy get triple-teamed because I got guys coming from all other directions now. Mm -hmm. I just think that um, he's a special kind of talent. If I was going to pay any player in the league that kind of money, it's not a quarterback, it's definitely Aaron Donald.
0: Um, speaking of contracts to uh, Russell Wilson, the newest Denver Bronco, already talking about money and wanting to get his due. Uh, he's wanting in the range of about 50 million a year, which would put him right up there with some of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league. There's already I think it was a New York Post article this week that was asking, does Aaron Donald or does uh, does Russell Wilson want to win or does he want to get paid? I'm like, really? I mean, really? Are we getting to that point here? I mean, it's so laughable to me. I mean, if if whether it's Broncos media or fans or whoever that want to act surprised about this, that Russell Wilson wants to get paid. I mean, if if they're surprised or if the Broncos organization is surprised, then they're just just idiots. I mean, he, his contract was going to be up soon anyway. That's what the quarterback market is going for. He's right there among the greats. I mean, if you're caught off guard by this, I mean, how, how naive do you have to be?
3: Yeah, I would think the Broncos knew what they were doing when they when they made this trade. They knew that they were getting a player who was going to get a new contract at some point. He has two years left to his deals this season and next. Um, and his two okay.
0: years that are left aren't bad.
3: No, he's getting paid, let's see, here, $24 million this year and $27 million. Those are his cap numbers. Uh, he has $5 million in roster bonus.
0: And a lot of that, the Seahawks are having
3: to pay. Yeah, he's already gotten the first $10 million of that. So 19 and $22 million is what's owed to him in cash the next two seasons. Um, yeah, I, I think that Russell Wilson will get a new contract. Now, the Broncos are going through a sale right now. And we know that they've got the second round of bids just came through on Monday. So uh, that's supposed to get wrapped up this summer. I do think that, the, that the, uh, the franchise will wait until that piece is done. I think Russell Wilson knows that. Of, of course, he's going to say he wants more money, and he's going to get it. He's going to get a four- or five-year extension at, you know, 40 plus million a year. You know, none of these quarterbacks want to be the guy not making the most money. Right. They all want the money. They see Dak, and they see Mahomes, and, and Allen, and, and – they want that cash. There's none of them saying, Oh, I'll wait. And the only one saying he'll wait is Lamar Jackson. He's only waiting until the end of the season. Right. And he's going to end up getting more than everybody else, I think.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, he hasn't showed up to OTAs at this point, but Peter King right. says that uh, Lamar Jackson should still be around for a training camp. So that's yeah. not a, a holdout situation there. It's- no. It,
3: and he's his own agent. And he is. His mom is actually. His mom great. technically is his agent. Um, but he's representing himself with his mother. And it looks like the situation with Lamar Jackson is he wants to get to free agency, whether that's just to make a, a bigger market for him or to get the biggest number possible. Anyway, uh, and he wait
0: a while for that, playing the fifth year option this year and the franchise tag next year.
3: Yeah. So I. I do think that Lamar's going to get paid. I think it'll be after the season. and Yeah, I mean, because he not show up under the franchise tag. He can say, right. I'm not playing for that. But I don't know. I, I think that he'll – I think he'll be the one that gets the, the next biggest one. And then yeah. I think we'll see a couple of guys after that. But it'll be, be – there's always going to be somebody coming up. And that's the thing with Russell Wilson. He has not gotten that big pop. I mean, he's gotten paid well. He right. got a big contract. That's why they had to get rid of the up the Legion of Boom when he was in Seattle because they had to pay Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. But now he hasn't gotten the 30-plus million that the Mahomes are getting, that Allen's getting, that Rodgers is getting. And he's looking at it going, hey, guys, I'm 34. I only got four or five more years. You know, it's next year. If it goes from the 20s, he's making the near 40s a hundred million dollars over five years
0: last question we'll end on this um Mel Kuyper's already got his big board out for 2023 and he has CJ Stroud ahead of Bryce Young now just to kind of give you an idea looking back compared to this time last year uh Mel Kuyper's number one quarterback was Spencer Rattler and he does not have him in his top 10 at this point for 2023 so with that said Bo um Who do you like more, Stroud or Young right now?
3: I think they're going to go one and two when it's all said and done. Um, If I had to choose one, I really don't know. uh, I'd probably take Stroud. So you agree with him? But I'm not like – I mean, it's six to five and pick them. I mean, I I don't see an issue with either of them. Um, I God, I would – I want to see how they both play this season. I, I think they've both, I think Stroud's benefited from a lot of great receivers at Ohio state. I mean, look how many just got drafted. And, you know, um, on the other hand, Bryce Young's had an incredible offensive line and great skill position players at Alabama. So I don't know. I, it's always for me too early. I mean, the example to give is, where was Joe Burrow the year before 2019? I you mean, know, he went number one overall. He, he was projected even to, to be start. a seventh
0: round pick in a regular season. Yeah, so I mean,
3: where yeah? I mean, it's it's going to depend on the the seasons they have, health. It's fun to talk about, but and, and, and honestly, if they both have great seasons, say they finished one and two for the Heisman, you know, maybe they're both in the playoffs. Are you going to go wrong with either of them?
0: I like them both better than any quarterback in this past draft. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's
3: probably five guys in this next draft I like better. Um, But those two, I think it's a strong chance those guys are one and two in some order in the next draft. Yeah. Just because quarterbacks are needed. Right. East Coach Bo.
0: East Coach Bo. Check out the Coach Bo Knows podcast each and every Monday and Friday, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts wherever you listen to podcasts, O'Connor Advisor Group, O'Connor Advisor Group.com. Bo, appreciate the time as always. We'll catch up with you next week. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Tyler. Take care, buddy. All right, a couple more things before we wrap up today's show. Our draft this week, we are going to draft the biggest bus of all time. And now when we think of bust, usually it's an athlete, right? You know, when it, when it comes to, uh, you know, somebody that was not, You know, great that was expected to be, whether it's an NFL player, NBA player, but I want to broaden this a little bit. I think that we can, you know, really branch out a bit into other things beyond even just the sports world or maybe even people for that matter. Uh, I mean, you can think of a bunch of, I'm sure, former child stars that never really developed and turned into something. You know, there's a lot of different ways that we could go with this as a Thomas Bridges rejoins me right now. Tom, I'm very intrigued with this draft. I think this could go a lot of different directions.
1: You know, very well could. There's obviously the sports people, but there's a lot of other ways it could go.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So uh, I let Tom pick uh, this week of uh, the draft order. He's opted to go second to have the back-to-back picks. So I will have the uh, number one pick, and uh, we'll do a snake draft and go back and forth from there on uh, this week's draft. So, Tom, uh, we'll go ahead and uh, get started. Each of us get six picks and uh, see what we can come up with. Bo is out this week, as Tom was out last week. So next week, Bo will rejoin us for our uh, draft segment when we'll have our full uh, you know, three-team rosters of a six picks each. But in the meantime, this week we'll just pick uh, six for each of us. So, Tom, with the very first pick, I am going to go with something that's been very recent, actually. It was hyped up very much, but it just utterly bombed so bad. It was shut down within a month, and no one watched it. No one gave a damn about it at all. My first pick of the biggest bus ever draft. I'm going with CNN Plus.
1: I am not shocked uh, coming from you. I, I figured you. I was thinking, I was like, well, you might, you might take who I was thinking, but let the uh, let the uh, he's, he's, CNN. I I will let you have that
0: one because I was, wouldn't have drafted that one. So CNN Plus was not even on your draft board? No, of course. Well, it had been further down. Okay. Okay. But CNN plus for me, like it, it it ended so fast and I feel almost bad making this selection because I I do uh, have some friends that work for CNN. Uh, Boris Sanchez has been on this show before, but I think people that even work for CNN know how bad CNN plus uh, bombed and how much that didn't work out? I mean, nobody's watching CNN anyway. They weren't going to pay for CNN Plus, so uh, easy call for me. CNN Plus, hundreds of millions of dollars uh, down the drain, and uh, bye bye CNN Plus. Uh, Tom, you have the back to back here.
1: I'm going to keep in sports for the first couple of picks. I'm going Jamarcus Russell with the first pick. Maybe, maybe not the biggest bust of all time. You could, some could say like Ryan Leaf. But Jamarcus Russell, when you think of bust NFL draft picks that are bust, the first first people that our generation thinks is uh, Jamarcus Russell. Did
0: you think Jamarcus was gonna be
1: good? Uh, you know, it's been so long ago. I I I don't know if I did or not. I don't think I, I don't think there was like a oh yeah, he's gonna be so great. Right, I mean, he's not like, and you know, he didn't end up with the Browns either. He ended up with the Raiders, which is not, you know, could be worse. But you know, he just didn't work out, and I didn't feel like it was injuries that kept him down. He just just didn't work out. Um, I guess the second, and I guess I'll go the turnaround pick. I'm gonna go with the with the NBA's version of who we who our generation thinks is it was a bust. Uh, And I'm going with Greg Oden, Uh, you know, especially when you compare him, that that you you see that Kevin Durant was taken right after him. Uh, You know, Portland probably feels terrible. I feel bad for Greg Oden, too. You know, injuries kept him out and kept him down. But, you know, all things considered, I mean, when when the next guy after you is a a, for sure Hall of Famer and maybe a top ten player of all time, uh, you know, you know the Trailblazers fans have to be hurting still
0: you know with with Greg Oden Tom uh in the limited action that we saw him play he was actually a pretty good player he just couldn't stay healthy to me that's the difference between him and Jamarcus Russell Jamarcus never showed any signs that even when he played that he was going to be a good NFL player I think that had you, uh, Greg Oden not had his health issues, he would have been just fine in the NBA. Probably would have been an All Star center in this league. I think.
1: Yeah, I think so too. And you know, it just so happened that I couldn't stay healthy right out, pretty much right out of the gate. And, uh, and you know, now it's you know there was a there was like a video. I felt really bad for him that he went back to Ohio State to finish his degree, and some older lady was like. She was like, Molly, you're big. You should have played basketball. He should have been playing basketball. And I'm like, dang, that sucks. <laughs> uh, you, know, like, you know, I'm sure he's like this lady.
0: Doesn't even know. Right. Okay. Now I got back-to-back picks. So far, uh, I have CNN Plus. Tom has Jamarcus Russell and Greg Oden. My next pick, Tom, I am going to go with Lindsay Lohan for my second pick, Lindsay Lohan, Tom, you and I, as kids, we grew up, she was the thing. Right. And I mean, we, as kids, I think every guy our age, you know, I had a crush on Lindsay Lohan thought she was going to be a big deal. And she kind of just fell off the face of the earth and got into a lot of drug problems and all sorts of stuff. And I don't know what she's doing, where she's at now. Uh, but Lindsay Lohan was a, uh, Major disappointment. Lots of potential. I mean, it all went downhill pretty much after Mean Girls. Mean Girls, great movie, by the way. Uh, but once that movie ended, uh, I mean, Lindsay Lohan pretty much hasn't recovered since. Pretty much, yeah. She got the got
1: drugs, got wild. And, uh, you know, just was never really the maybe the person that she could have been, you know, after Parent Trap and all the other child movies that, you know, kind of just, well. You know, kind of a flop. So she, I guess, she made her money. I'm sure, she's still figuring out ways to
0: make money. <laughs> right, right. right. Uh, Which, um, yeah. So we'll uh, we'll take uh, Lindsay Lohan off the board with that pick. Uh, my next pick, Tom. I'm gonna go uh, my first actual sports pick for this one. Uh, I'm going to go with Darko Millick with uh, this pick. Darko, if you remember, was supposed to be all that in a bag of chips. He was in the 2003 draft that featured LeBron and Carmelo and D. Wade, and Darko did absolutely nothing in his career. And uh, I kid you not, he finished his professional basketball career playing for a team called I Came to Play. Um, who thought that was a good idea to have that second word in the name of a team to begin with? But nonetheless, Darko was a major buzz, major disappointment. I mean, Chris Bosh was even in that draft class. There's so many better options. I get that they couldn't have LeBron, that he was the number one pick, but uh, what were the Detroit Pistons thinking with, uh, with Darko with that pick, Tom? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good one. That's uh that's one I would I would, you know,
1: kind of forgot about there. That's uh it's a solid overall a bust pick.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh I have another pick. Uh I am going to go Tom uh with my next pick with Blockbuster. Uh Blockbuster
1: oh, wait, wait a second. That that's er- who was your – I thought you had back-to-back picks, so you took Lindsay Lohan and then you took –
0: Oh, that's right. I forgot I took Lindsay Lohan. Yes, oh, yes.
1: Oh, he just gave me I just his gave track.
0: Oh, no, no. Did, did I just give one away for you? Uh, oh, girl. I'm tempted to take it. <laughs> Whoopsies. Uh, Tom, you have the back-to-back. I almost jumped the gun there.
1: You know, I'm not going to take Blockbusters, so you can have that on your turnaround. <laughs> back-to-back picks. I don't think Blockbuster was a bust at all. I think Blockbuster built the frame for what we have now. They just couldn't keep up. So I think I, they had their time in the sun. That was just it was there it was kind of like a Blockbuster is kind of like one of those things that you know, they had their time. It's kind of like a, like Ben Roethlisberger. is kind of like Blockbuster. You know, he, you know, he just kept playing until he <laughs> He was absolute dog. Mm-hmm. Shit. He should have retired years ago, and that's what happened with Blockbuster. They had their time in the sun. They won championships. I wouldn't call Blockbuster a bust. Just, I mean, they made a lot of money. They just—they went bankrupt too,
0: though. I mean, yeah, well, they I mean, bad
1: yeah. Well, I mean, you know, over time, they, you know, they had their run and they won, you know, a couple World Championships, so to speak. Uh, and then they just didn't know when to quit and to bed like Ben Roethlisberger, and you know. Kind of was an embarrassment. So I won't, I won't take Ben or I won't take Ben Rothesberger. I won't take him or I won't take Blockbuster either. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna go with one that um that you may have heard of and the older uh I probably get flacked the older people will know more so. I'm going with new coke. Okay. Um so they just recently tried to bring back new coke, kind of just as a joke, but back in the mid eighties, um it's when like Pepsi was starting to to, to come up and Coke, you know, Coke Coca Cola tried to switch some things up to get to get cute, um, and New Coke was released and and I obviously never got to have New Coke. This was the mid eighties, but from what I heard, it was complete <laughs> and it, it just flopped. And people were like, "Absolutely not! How are you going to change the drink formula?" We can't be having this, um, and so they said to hell with it and did not um, continue on with that, and they just went back to the what they you know what they obviously know. So that I thought you know it's one of those things they tried to get cute and it obviously didn't work, and they thought well we better just go back to the tried and true.
0: I mean. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, if they want to, to um, bring back a Coke of some sorts, I mean, they need to put cocaine back in Coke. That's what we really want.
1: I think they need to bring back the old Cherry Coke that had like the, the black and red crazy design on it. That was the premium Cherry Coke. The Cherry Coke now does not taste the same as it did when it came out of the Mazio's drink dispenser back in the early 2000s.
0: Oh yeah, um, that
1: that was the prime time cherry coat.
0: and you would get the the big old red cup from Mazio's. I mean, Mazio's second second different a, about taking away the Mazio's buffet could be a bust. The Mazio's buffet, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I hate the Mazio's buffet a couple months ago, and it wasn't that great. Uh, what thing you had Mazio's buffet. Yeah, they brought it back. Yeah, it's back. Uh, It it disappeared during COVID, but it's back now. Oh, amazing. I didn't know that. And it wasn't great. I was disappointed. Like, the Mazio's Buffet used to be the thing. Like, I spent a lot of Sunday nights as a kid after church going to Mazio's and eating at the buffet. I mean, that was my thing.
1: Yeah, the Mazio's Buffet in the early 2000s did smack.
0: I think everybody on Sunday nights after church, like – or or youth group or whatever, I think everyone was packed to the local Mazios at the buffet.
1: Yeah, I can see that. Bartlesville's, I feel like, was like a Friday night ordeal. We went to after church growing up as a kid, like Monterey House, which was yeah. a chain Mexican restaurant. That There's a couple in Tulsa, I think, still, but not very many left.
0: Okay, you got another pick. Uh, you have Jamarcus Russell, Greg Oden, and New Coke so far.
1: I'm going with the DeLorean as the turnaround pick.
0: Okay. Tell me about this pick.
1: The DeLorean is a car from Back to the Future. Super cool car. There's still a handful of them left out there, and they go for a very high price. Um, But it's like a car from, like, the early 80s. Um, They had a bunch of them, and, and, you know, it was cool because Back to the Future had it. Uh, weren't, weren't around for very long company filed bankruptcy car didn't sell. I don't think like they wanted it to now that they're, now they're a super popular car because there's so few of them left it's kind of an iconic car, but to even have parts made for them still, you can't even get them. Um, so yeah, pretty much introduced one. Like, I think it was like a one year, one year trial deal for this DeLorean car. And if you look it up, it has suicide doors. I'm sure if you see what a DeLorean, I don't, do you know what I'm talking about? The DeLoreans. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I know what you're talking
1: about. Super cool car. Uh, I'd love to have one. Um, from what I understand, though, they're just overall just a made vehicle. Um, but they are, they do look cool. Um, so one year, then filed for bankruptcy.
0: I'm going with DeLorean as a bust. Okay. I think that's a good pick. I would not have had DeLorean on my board, but it's a creative pick nonetheless. Uh, I'm gonna go with Blockbuster, who I would have taken earlier. Uh, Blockbuster, I mean, th- the thing with Blockbuster, okay, back in the day, now there's a lot of nostalgia with uh, this draft this week and I like it. Blockbuster used to be an incredible tradition on Friday nights to get you a couple movies and you know you get your popcorn and your pop there and, and you know if you're in enough movies, then the next time around you got a free movie, you get your video games. I mean, The concept was just terrific, but they didn't keep up with the times. They had a chance to compete with Netflix, passed on that, somehow screwed that up, had a chance to buy Netflix, and they didn't do so. They filed for bankruptcy. It was just a poor run operation to the the end. There was so much potential, very much like a great NFL or NBA prospect. A lot of potential showed a lot of upside in the early days, in their college days. But at the end of the day, when it came time to perform, they didn't show up when it mattered most. So I am uh, going with Blockbuster for my pick, even though, Tom, you do not think Blockbuster is a bust.
1: I respect your decision, your young decision. <laughs> I had more prime years of Blockbuster maybe than you. I, re- I respect your decision. I could have stolen it. I, I'll let, <laughs> That's how much – that's what I – that's how much I highly I think a Blockbuster. I could have took and I let you have
0: it. <laughs> oh, uh, Tom, we, we need to pay a visit to that last Blockbuster that's remaining in Bend, Oregon.
1: All go right, stay the night in it. Right.
0: <laughs> go rent a couple movies, bring back, you know, that'd be great. Um, for my fifth pick, before Tom finishes out his uh, final two picks, I am going to go, Tom, with Jetpack's. We were promised these things like 20 years ago, and I'm still waiting on my jetpack. How can, how, how does it not happen yet that I can't just get in a jetpack and fly wherever I want at any point in time and you'll get to and from places so quickly and be able to fly in space and not have to walk around all the time? Like we, we were told we were going to have these by now. I'm still waiting. Where's my jetpack? So
1: Jones, the the military has them. Um, I also have to send you a video. A guy flies off the deck of a uh, aircraft carrier and flies around the aircraft carrier at a pretty high rate of speed, and then safely lands back on the aircraft carrier. So they do have them, just not for uh, public use just yet. I think I think maybe in twenty years we'll have them, but I, I don't know. I I don't know I don't I don't know if I would trust the general public with the use of, of, of a military use jetpack.
0: Would you use one if you could?
1: Uh yeah, for sure. Uh, as long as there were some safety meth- measures in there, because I feel like public use of a jetpack would be a million times worse in terms of accidents that lime scooters are. Um, <laughs> And I know some other people that work in the ER and they say the sheer number of especially during the summer of lime scooter accidents with broken arms, legs and other body parts is astounding. Uh, so I can only imagine
0: Lyme uh, scooters could have been a very good pick too. those things when they came out were really cool. And now people just keep, you know, getting concussions and being idiots with them. I love
1: Lime scooters. I, we used to, we still ride them during the summers and, uh, you know, we kind of do a bar. This sounds terrible and irresponsible, but we do bar tours with them. We'll go downtown and Lime from bar to bar and get a drink. You know, you can bar. get a
0: DUI on one of those still, right?
1: You know, you can get a DUI in a car and I haven't had one of those either. So I, I'll take my chances on a Lime.
0: Huh. <laughs> All right, Tom. Here, uh, to you're here first. <laughs> Your final two
1: picks. Jones, I'm going back to beverages. I got my sports people out of the way. I got my new Coke out of the way. I'm going with the other side of things. Uh, Crystal Pepsi, Jones. I don't know if you've ever had a Crystal Pepsi. They were around in the early 90s. Um, And it was weird because Coke did new Coke. And then Crystal Pepsi tried to go with this, this clear soda. And I've had one before. They brought them back not too long ago just kind of a ha-ha type thing. Um, and from what I understand, it, it was just, I don't know if they want to be like more health conscious because it was clear. It looked like Sprite, like when you poured it. It's still fizzy. It still tasted like Pepsi. Um, and, you know, it was, I think I, at first it popped off and it was kind of cool. Um, if you even look at like 90s, throwback 90s stuff, you'll see Crystal Pepsi on there. Um, but yeah, Crystal Pepsi did not obviously stick around for a very long time. I bet it was like two or three years if that, um, and then no longer happened. And I feel like two years ago they came out, like I said, with kind of a throwback Crystal Pepsi, just to be funny, um, and released it out. And I did not, I think I had one then, um, but Crystal Pepsi, yeah, flopped just like new Coke. Um, never really took off, never really got its footing. Um, last pick, Jones. I knew a bunch of kids that had these. I had the iPod, and no, no shade thrown because I've seen them and they look you know not too bad. But I'm going with the Zune, it was Microsoft's answer to Apple's iPod, the Microsoft Zune, and it was an MP3 player that came out like mid 2000s. Um yeah, it was just essentially Microsoft's an- Microsoft's answer to the iPod. Uh and it just, you know, it's it's kind of like uh iPhone to Android now. We don't like people with green text, you know. You you know, everybody wanted an MP3 player and, you know, some people didn't have the means to get an iPod. Um or they wanted to go counterculture and they went with the Zune instead. Um, Zoom did not have the fame that the iPod did and could, uh, quite honestly, it had its purpose, it did its thing, but could not hold a candle uh, to what was the iPod.
0: I don't even remember the Microsoft Zune.
1: Just look up Zune, Z-U-N-E, and I think it might jog your memory.
0: Okay. Um, and you never bought one yourself? No, I had not
1: You know, when the, when the MP3s first came out, I had like a little bitty... Shit off brand one. That was like when I was like in sixth, seventh grade. And then like that next Christmas, I got uh an iPod nano.
0: Yeah, I had a uh MP3 player. Uh I can't remember the uh the brand that it was, but I mean it was a cheap old thing, and the you know, headphone jack didn't work half the time until I got my first uh you know smartphone that played music but yeah i mean you you had to do with what you could get away with i mean we literally tom back in the day i mean th- this generation doesn't know the extent what we would do to get our songs like we would buy cd's and rip the cd's and take that those tracks and put them on mp3s i mean it was a whole long ordeal process that we used to do on those things you know it wasn't yeah,
1: there was there was no spotify
0: no Remember Limewire?
1: Oh yeah. I got I got mine off a of, off a of Limewire Napster ripped them off YouTube. Hell, I've I'm sure I bought my share of iTunes okay. iTunes gift cards for sure.
0: So this one for me, okay Tom. I have I have 3 candidates for this final pick. Um I'll tell you what the candidates are and my pick here. Um,
1: I think you have two picks, don't you?
0: I have, I've just one pick left. Oh, you made your final pick. I'm about to make my final pick. Gotcha. Um, But I have three names in mind to make this final roster spot. And uh, I'll be curious if you think I made the right pick with this final selection between these three. Uh, One of them is Skype. Uh, Skype had like a 10-year head start on Zoom. And right at the heart of the pandemic, no one was using Skype and everyone was using Zoom. How the hell did that happen? How did Skype allow that to happen when everyone knew what Skype was? Uh, The other, MySpace. MySpace was the first big social media network. Then Facebook came along and no one gave a damn about MySpace. Nobody used MySpace. MySpace, you know, like... You got to display who your best friends were. Got to have your music on your page, all that cool stuff. It faded away. And then the other one, another social media network, Google Plus. We were told that Google Plus was going to be a big deal. Uh, You know, it was going to be the competitor to Facebook and Twitter and all this. And you know, you you added people to your circle. I created an account with that, and no one ever used that. And Google eventually just shut that thing down. So, with that being said, of those three options. Tom, I am going to use my final pick uh, because of just how poor the execution was and the golden opportunity that they missed. I'm going to use my final pick on Skype. I know that Skype is still around and you know still making money, but how did they let Zoom just beat them at their own game like that? For that, Skype is a big bust in my book and my final pick. I can
1: see that. I would have went Skype, Google+, then MySpace, but I don't know. For me, MySpace had its days in the sun, too. Um, Jones, honestly, this is not a ageism here by any means. I think you're probably too young for Zanga. Um, what was your generation's, even by three or four years, your generation's uh, MySpace was my generation's Zanga. Zanga is where it truly started, um, and it was the same thing. You customize your page, have different backgrounds, songs, Um, pretty much MySpace came along and just added the friends order. Um, I think what was MySpace's downfall is that Facebook came along and it was like the, at first it was like the invite only and it was really for college students. Um, and so that was like the new thing. And then it took, you know, our parents' generation and then our grandparents' generation years to get on it. And now Facebook's kind of stupid and lame. (laughs) <laughs> and everybody, every it's it's full of fake news bullshit, and Facebook can go die in a hole now. Um, now, obviously, the new thing is Instagram, which is also owned by Facebook. But you know, and as soon as the old people get to Instagram and ruin that too, uh, there'll be a new social media that comes out. You know what? Like we could have done, Jones. Um, there is a social media app, and you got on it. And I think maybe you sent me an invite or somebody sent me. No, my friend Abby sent me an invite to it. Um, it was like an online chat room. Oh, club. everybody. Club. Yeah, clubhouse. Yeah, and then Twitter created
0: club. spaces and like, oh, all right, what do we need Clubhouse for?
1: Clubhouse kind of a bust.
0: Yes. Clubhouse that, would, that didn't that would... really even take off, though.
1: Right. Kind of like didn't.
0: Google Plus, I guess, in that sense. Right. That's very true. Yeah. So um, of the undrafted free agents out there um, that come to mind, uh, Vince Young, Vince Young had a great rookie season, you know, won a national championship at Texas and then had that mental breakdown, you know, along with, you know, playing under Jeff Fisher and just fell off the face of the earth. To me, that was all on Vince Young too, Tom, because you and I, we saw up and close, Vince Young had all the talent, all the intangibles, but he didn't have the mental toughness. Vince Young, I think, could have been a star in the league. And
1: you know, hell, he was even on the cover of Madden. Yeah. You know, after that, maybe it was the Madden curse.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's one for me. Who's, a, who's an undrafted free agent that comes to mind?
1: Oh, it's obviously Johnny Manziel. Yeah. You know, that was a lot of money, you know. Money Manziel. I mean, I, I wanted to root for him, and I did, just because I liked the swag. But I, I should have known from the beginning he didn't have the body style to, to live up, to, to play in the NFL. But one of the more entertaining college players of all time, you could throw Tim Tebow in there. Um, even though Tim Tebow did win a playoff game. But, uh, you know, I'm sure you remember the game well, Jones. Right. Um, right. <laughs> uh, what is it? The Myaha Miracle is that what they call it? I think so, yeah, something like that. Um, hmm, who's in the Ryan Leaf? I mentioned him, he's kind of up there with the Jamarcus Russell in terms of a bus player.
0: Um, I did see, a, I did see business a list wise, the, the Tom, boss. You'll, you'll appreciate this on business. Um, Enron.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's, I don't know, that goes down as a bust or a major criminal <laughs> operation.
0: Google Glasses?
1: Yeah, I saw that on the list, too. Google Glass looked really cool, and I was really hot for it. And they just kept teasing and teasing and teasing, and then nothing. Um, they had a really cool commercial. Um Kind of a teaser and, and just we, nothing we ever came. really
0: we didn't really touch on uh movies either, like movie sequels. Uh Dumb and Number Two was one of the worst sequels I've ever seen. That comes to mind. Um, especially considering how good the first one was. Um, any bad movie sequels that come to mind? You know, I'm not a huge movie watcher. Um,
1: I do love movies, good movies, but I like I feel like I'm very picky. Um, all the movies that I can think of that I really like that have sequels would be like Toy Story, um, Jurassic Park, Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, I'm trying to think of like other movies. Oh, like Cars 2. Trash.
0: Cars 2 Yeah, terrible.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, the, the OG Cars, though, is one of the top movies that... Honestly, one of the top Pixar movies of all time.
0: And The soundtrack was incredible, with uh, you know Rascal Flatts, "Life Is a Highway." That's iconic,
1: and just and just having Route sixty six on there. I mean, the OG Cars is one of the, one of the top movie. No lie. Um, yeah. You know, the second was it Finding Nemo? I guess it was Finding Dory. Nah. Kind of a reach. Kind mm-hmm. of a reach.
0: We could draft, like, animated or Disney movies.
1: Oh, we could. I would love that. Um, We should definitely do that next week.
0: I bet Bo, Uh as a parent, has seen a lot of these movies, too.
1: I've seen a lot just growing up, mom having a daycare. Yeah. And, you know, just life in general. But, yeah, Cars? Yeah, shout-out Cars. cars is a, the OG Cars is great. Second Cars. I don't know. Did they make a third Cars?
0: Um, Yes, they did, actually. I believe so. Uh, I bet it was Crash. Because uh, Shannon Spake, a uh, friend of the show from Fox, she was in it, actually. Yeah. Really? Yeah, they did make a third Cars, and it's like Lightning McQueen's last run. Oh. And then they have... <clears throat> A lot of... Sorry,
1: excuse me. <clears throat> sorry. Frozen. A lot of people love Frozen. I've never seen Frozen. I have too many times, unfortunately. Um, I guess they made a Frozen 2. I have not seen that one. I don't care to see that one. And I guess they're making a Frozen 3, maybe. Oh, no. no. Yeah, it's just like they milk it all day. You know, growing up, Trying to think of another movie. You know what we ought to draft?
0: Another one we could do. We talked about, you know, the biggest bus. Um, we could do, we could draft the best canceled people. <laughs> That'd be very interesting. That could be, I mean,
1: <laughs> that could get interesting real quick. I mean, who's going to draft Bill Cosby?
0: <sighs> who's going to draft
1: Kyle Larson? <laughs> I mean, yeah, go a lot of different ways. <laughs> that would be. Drafting canceled people might
0: get us canceled. Yeah, reverse effect. Bill Riley ends up there. Uh, Matt Lauer. Um, (laughs) That that could be an interesting draft. Um, That might be a bad idea. But nonetheless, that is our uh, draft for this week. Let's move on and get to our uh, Big 12 breakdown segment. Uh, Tom, uh, the College World Series, I know that you paid – more attention to it than I have. Uh, Three Big 12 teams made the College World Series with OSU, OU, and Texas. And uh, OU and Texas in the final there. OU takes care of business in game one. Uh, But I mean, how about that? Uh, Seeing those three teams make it and uh, compete. I mean, there's only eight spots and three teams from the Big 12. I know that Oklahoma, you know, they they beat the crap out of Texas in game one. Uh, I would be shocked if they they don't win the series. Uh, You know, Oklahoma, Patty Gaston Company has been incredible, the job that she's done there and one of, if not the best softball coaches of all time. But I think the story here uh, is besides OU's dominance is just how well uh, OSU and Texas did to to, to get up there with considering how tough a competition they had to go through with OU every year that – OSU was able to win the Big 12 and Texas gets there too. I mean, that's a pretty cool story.
1: Yeah, I really was hoping for a Bedlam um, final. And honestly, I thought OSU choked it away. They hadn't lost to Texas all year. And then they lose two back-to-back on the same day. So I was very disappointed there. But, you know, I think either OSU or Texas would have gotten beat by OU. So, you know. If I you know, had to say the talk from the OU fans, then I guess third place is not terrible. So, but, yeah, um, you know, you know, I mean, everyone kind of saw it coming. OU, their bats are just too hot. Um, even if you're not an avid college softball watcher, you kind of know what the deal is when it comes with OU and, and their offensive game. Uh, it's kind of ridiculous. They've only lost three games all year. One was, I believe, to Texas Uh, midway through the season one to OSU and then one to UCLA Mm -hmm. so all three of those teams were in the semifinals of this um, World Series so if that tells you anything uh, they're not losing any slouches so I I fully expect OU to win it tomorrow Um, put Texas out of the misery rightfully so Um, OU teams kind of unstoppable it's one of the craziest buzzsaws I've ever seen in sports.
0: I mean, Tom, we, we spend so much time on this show, just like everybody else talking, you know, mostly football and basketball all the time. And in the state of Oklahoma, you know, most recent years of the coaching greats, you know, we mentioned, you know, Bob Stoops, Mike Gundy, Eddie Sutton, Lon Kruger, uh, you know, even on the NBA side of things, you know, Scott Brooks, Billy Donovan, um, even back to TU, Bill Self. But, I mean, somebody like Patty Gasso is as good as any of them. I mean, what she's done with that Oklahoma program and that story there, I mean, I, I think at Oklahoma State, John Smith, what, what he did with that OSU wrestling program and all the national titles that they won, I mean, you know, it, it goes beyond. If you dig a little deeper, I mean, the stories of these programs, OU softball being the most recent example of it, I mean, just tremendous sports and and the degree of winning. I mean, is, is is incredible. And and what OU and OSU both have done to invest in Olympic sports. I mean, they're seeing the results. Uh, Patagasso and the OSU softball team—a prime example of that.
1: Yeah, they are. I mean, she's one. She's one of the goats for sure. Uh, you know, can't take enough away, or you know, can't take anything away from her. She's been at it since 2000. Um, and and if has just created these buzzsaw OU teams. Um, and it's just been crazy. It's really been to watch. A little frustrating being a, an Oklahoma State fan. Um, but, you know, even for OSU um, men and women, um, you know, speaking of softball, Kenny Gasky, he's he's got something special, I think, brewing in, at, at Oklahoma State. I, I think they'll be back. This is their second year in a row, maybe third year in a row, to go to the Women's College World Series. Um, so I think they'll be back. They do lose a lot of seniors, but I think he will be fine. But it's comparing to Patty Gasso, it's, just, it's hard to do. I mean, she's in her own tier, right? Um, so I'm sure she'll continue on. I know you'll be um, soon enough taking over the SEC softball-wise. Um, not, there wasn't even an SEC team that made it to the women's college world series. So uh, I'm sure it won't be hard to do. Uh, right. Florida thanks. did,
0: but they were the only ones oh, from the SEC.
1: I, that's true. I guess they were eliminated early.
0: Right. Right. Uh, well, yeah. The big 12 sent three teams, the PAC 12 sent three teams. Um, just incredible effort uh, all around for uh OU, OSU in Texas and Patty Gasson company doing it once again. I like Patty a lot. Uh, you know, our friend of the show, Editor Dotsvich, started that Natty's for Patty's campaign a couple of years ago that really caught on. And I, I think people have attached to Patty Gasso ever since. And, uh, you know, I mean, like I said, she's the greatest to ever do it, I think, in the of softball. And Oklahoma's lucky to have her in a well-earned national title, It seems to be coming Oklahoma's way once again. The, uh, quite the buzzsaw indeed. Um, on the uh, football front, the uh, Big Ten Conference is set to become the first conference to earn a billion dollars a year in media rights. That's billion with a B, okay? That's a lot of money. Now, you know, that, that's a big deal, and you know, they're, they're working out things when it comes to TV contracts. Sounds like ESPN is going to be out. that They will not have Big Ten rights. That it's going to be split between Fox, CBS, and NBC, which that certainly makes things interesting if ESPN is not involved. But with that being said, here's the thing that we don't know right now. When OU and Texas announced that they were leaving for the SEC, it was already after the TV deal for the SEC was already done. And what we didn't know at that time that came out later was in the TV deal with that, the SEC had with ESPN, It was, you are getting this money, but you have to bring in a couple new members. And it turned out Oklahoma and Texas fulfilled that promise that the SEC asked for. What I wonder is okay, just because this deal is done, uh, appears to be happening for the Big Ten, does not necessarily mean that they're going to stay pat at the 14 teams they have. It very well could be, okay, Big Ten, yeah. These networks are going to give you a billion dollars, but you know what you have to do? You got to go bring in some more teams so we don't have to pay these other conferences as well. So folks, what what i say this is, this is like a a warning. Don't be caught off guard if you hear in the next year or two, whatever it may be, before this TV contract starts that, oh wait, the Big Ten just took uh, USC or they just took, Oklahoma state or, I mean, whatever it may be. I, I mean, I'm just spitballing at this point, but to me, like, don't look at that as a sense that things are settled. If anything, if we should learn something from how the sec handled things, um, everyone should be on their toes right now. Now that this deal looks like it's nearing its completion time.
1: I mean, yeah, they're, they're going to have to run around to do that and, and figure out how to add but that's a lot of money, Jones. I don't know. Where does it finally cap out? Where's, you know, what's, is there, is there a ceiling to this? Is it that much of an arms race?
0: I think it is uh, for these TV networks, uh, you know, until they run out of money. I mean, like from a TV standpoint, Tom, um, You know, what what do we watch on network TV? I mean, you're not sitting around watching, you know, Young Sheldon. You know, I mean, you're turning on CBS to see, you know, the NFL or college football, you know, the the SEC package. You know, we we don't I I don't care at all to see, you know, ABC World News tonight with David Muir. But I watch Saturday Night Football on ABC. I mean, what's on ABC right now as we're taping this, the NBA Finals. You know, I'm not watching Jimmy Kimmel. I mean, that's what people, that's the only reason why people even watch network TV anymore, even why they turn on these networks. It's not to see their shows, not to see their news programs, it's to see live sports. So as long as live sports is King, they're going to keep paying, I think. Yeah,
1: I guess. Yeah. Kind of like an Easter egg hunt, I guess, to the top, it seems like.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think so. It's uh. It's crazy. Uh, I I think, uh, it's, it's really hard to put into words. Um, also on the big 12 slash sec front, uh, a couple things, uh, Lincoln Riley, again, in an interview with Dennis Dodd this week, uh, denies that Oklahoma's move to the sec impacted his decision to leave. Um, you know, he did this sit down interview with, with Dodd where, look, you know, Dennis Dodd, I like Dennis Dodd. I know his son. We went to school together at KU. So this is not anything personal against Dennis Dodd, but Dennis Dodd in this piece that he did with Lincoln Riley basically did Riley's bidding for him. He did PR essentially for Lincoln Riley on his move to USC. And in the piece, you know, Lincoln Riley talks about that he wanted to give his family a new life and live in LA and all this. And, and, uh, you know, I mean, what what I wonder is, like Tom, this is now the second big piece in the last couple of months. You had the Players Tribune article where Lincoln Riley was trying to clear up things, and now this as well. When is Lincoln Riley going to move on and stop talking about Oklahoma? I know that there's still a lot of people upset Norman how things went down, but for the most part, everybody in Norman is looking ahead to the Brent Venables era and excited about what Brent's bringing to the table, but is this going to linger on? Is this still, why do you think this is still in the back of Lincoln Riley's mind? Is there some guilt involved here? I mean, to me, when is Lincoln Riley going to stop talking about Oklahoma?
1: I think maybe when the football season starts or, you know, if they, if they do well, if USC does well this year and and maybe makes college football playoff or uh, a pretty good bowl, I think when he gets settled in and, You know, football's actually being played on Saturdays. You know, it's kind of quiet right now. It's the summertime. We're still, I mean, I guess we're like 90 days away from the beginning of the season, something like that. Um, So I I think maybe when the season starts up, maybe he'll shut up. But, you know, I think he's – I think he does still deep down maybe feel some guilt. I bet he – I bet he – you know, some people say all that money, but he sleeps well at night. Well, I bet some of it haunts him.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe so. I mean, it just seems so odd. You know, I mean, Tom, if uh, if you broke up with a girl and, uh, you know, you, you found a girl that apparently was more attractive than who you wanted to be with, but you were still talking about your ex all the time, wouldn't that be a little weird, especially if you were talking about her publicly like that?
3: I
1: mean, yeah, maybe. Maybe he feels bad about it and is trying to justify it to himself. That or <clears throat> he's probably a little nervous on how USC is going to go. Yeah, you know, if he goes out and next year he's on our draft board for the bus, biggest bust, and it's Lincoln Riley to USC. Um, then maybe that's what keeps him up at night. Maybe he's maybe the pressure is too much.
0: Maybe. It very well could be. Uh, Last thing on the uh, Big 12 slash SEC front this week. uh, Texas A&M's AD says that they want Texas as its permanent rival in the SEC. We had heard some rumblings about in the pod system that A&M wasn't wanting Texas in their pod. But now they're publicly saying this. Uh, Tom, this is the only way this was going to go. This is a win for everybody. I love when you have Texas and Texas A&M playing on Thanksgiving night, um, you know whether it be a D.K.R. or Kyle Field, that was an awesome tradition. You know, personally, I enjoy watching Texas and Texas A&M on Thanksgiving night most years than I did watching the NFL game that was on at that time. I mean, that to me is a tradition that I will welcome back. It's a great rivalry. See that thing renewed. And now with A&M spending the money that they're spending on recruits, ask Nick Saban, and Texas entering the SEC and kind of getting into A&M's territory, this just had to happen. There's no choice. I mean, if, if part of the reason besides the money that Texas and Oklahoma are going to the SEC, for Texas, I think it's you know getting the rivalry back with A&M. And what would part of the – besides the money, you'd be asking yourself if Texas, if Texas and Texas A&M – weren't gonna play each other in the SEC, then why would you go to the SEC at all? I mean, this just comes with the territory, right? I mean, I would expect Texas to play A and M every year, and I think Oklahoma's probably gonna play A&M most years as well, too.
1: I mean, yeah, that's it's they've already have some sort of rivalry, you know, with OU and A and M, it's the sixty six oh with Texas and Texas A and I mean, they fight back and forth continually and they're not even the same conference. Um so I, I think, yeah, for them, they're, it's uh, I think that's the must play. It would be like if K, KU somehow magically found their way in the SEC, they'd have to play Missouri every year. They'd have to. It wouldn't be right if they
0: didn't. Right? I mean, the the one time that I think about this, of, of you know the, the rivalry mismatches where conferences screwed up, and of course it was the Big 12 and all this, like when – the big 12, you know, went from eight to 12 and OU and Nebraska all of a sudden weren't playing every year. I mean, and that's how the, new, the the big 12 started to me, Tom, that was kind of like the beginning of the end for the big 12. I mean, how were Oklahoma and Nebraska not playing each other every year after their great history of being one of the greatest rivalries of all time.
1: Yeah. I mean, exactly. That's it's, you know, you take those away and it, you lose like that almost part of the soul of the conference.
0: Yeah, it doesn't make any sense on that front. So there you have it. That's our uh, Big 12 breakdown for this week. Our final segment of the show, it's our Tom Fullery story of the week. Tom, where shall we head to this time?
1: Jones, we're going to the grocery store. Uh, and I hate going to the grocery store.
0: Really? I love going to the grocery store, honestly.
1: Really? See, I, I don't mind actually going to Reese's, especially because it's right near my house, and I just I could literally walk over. Um, but I hate going into Walmart, um, and I just, I hate it, just, I guess I don't really like it, um, especially groceries are going up, I hate going to spend money for something obviously I need, but it's just like, oh, God, gotta go to the grocery store, um, but Jones, we're gonna go deep inside the grocery store, and we're gonna find out why they play the same music. Same boring music, same tunes, you know. Uh, I feel like if you've ever been in a homeland, they're notorious for playing jazz. you go going to somewhere like Reese's, they play just the, almost some top 40 kind of songs. It's like slower, slower music, and now we're going to find out why. This comes from the New York Post. Uh, the secret reason why grocery stores always play boring music. Just like elevators, grocery stores are notorious for playing dull music. But as it turns out, there's a reason behind grocery store's poor taste in tunes. Matt Grecia, money and shopping expert with over 3 million followers on TikTok, shared a video and scientific explanation. According to Grecia, grocery store music is played intentionally to make you spend more money. It may seem a bit of a stretch to correlate music with shopping habits, but Grecia has an explanation. The elevator music is purposely slower than the human heartbeat, which literally gets you to relax and slow down. That makes you spend more time in the store, and ultimately you'll spend more money, the expert said. Grecia's claim was also found to be true in a 1982 study conducted by marketing professor Roderp Milliman. The study found that music tempo in grocery stores actually does play a role in customer stores' shopping pace, as well as the volume of sales. According to the study, slow music causes shopper to move more leisurely, which in turn leads them to shopping longer and buying more. In fact, Milliman, Milliman found that grocery store sales volume was 38% higher on days they played slow-tempo music. Additionally, the volume of music in grocery stores plays a role in how long customers spend shopping. In a study by researchers Kane Smith and Kernow, they found that loud music led to shoppers spending less time in a store. Meanwhile, soft music had a calming effect on customers, which led them by, led them shopping which led the, led to them shopping more slowly and ultimately buying more products so the next time you find yourself perusing the grocery store aisle to the beat background music know the store has you in mind jones this pretty much just tells me that i'll just put in my airpods and when i go to the store and play some pump up music or some fast tempo music uh i mean there's there's a reason there it's it's weird and it's kind of scary uh, there's a reason behind every little thing, you know. They, a couple of years ago, they swapped up all the WalMarts around, and I think that was for for good reason because there was a long time before I figured out the new layout that I was literally walking around the whole store to figure out where, you know, a certain item was at.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's bizarre. Um I had no idea that that was uh the reason why that they had done studies that correlated the two uh you know I, I am somebody that enjoys going to the grocery store I like seeing all the food items and you know just walking around and being casual you know talk to people whatever be friendly sample the different you know cheeses or cookies or anything like that um but I I guess you know the 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 thing too, with the soft music, Tom, it's not a turn off. Like if you were playing, you know, I, I, I don't know, uh, you know, some some music, some you know, some top forty music, whatever. I might want to leave quicker. Might, might want to get out of there. If you, the soft music is something that you know, it, no, no one just absolutely says I can't take this anymore. I mean, it, it's it's bearable. I mean, anything else. Would, would have issues, wouldn't it be bearable to something.
1: You know, growing up, I worked in a grocery store. I worked in a food pyramid, one of my first jobs at 16. I worked there for like, I don't know, six, seven months until I got to work. Hey,
0: we call food pyramid Albertsons.
1: Pretty, yeah, pretty much. And then I got a job for under-the-table pay at a, at a gas station near my house. Um, that was super cool. I learned a lot of life lessons at that store. But I did work through thanksgiving and christmas at this food pyramid slash albertson's and i can tell you the amount of times this is 13 years ago that i was like 16 um but like at that time like the christmas music unbearable and it would start literally black friday all the way until december 26th or even through i felt like even through january 1st and i couldn't take it the guy that's to this day that's probably why I'm like a Christmas music should not start till December one, and it should end promptly at midnight on Christmas Day. And to, on to the, on the 26th, It should be no more. Um, and I I don't have, have, have no I don't have any Grinch feelings about that. People who play Christmas music at the start of November should be slapped. And if you're one of those people, come at me. I'm just trash. It's the same shit every year. Mariah Carey can go die in the hole.
0: Hey now, hey now, We like Mariah. I love Mariah Carey.
1: Don't do- only, only that Christmas album
0: only deserves to be played December first
1: through the end of the twenty-fifth.
0: Okay, so you're an ABC Family 25 Days of Christmas guy.
1: And that's it. Yeah, and and I I partially blame that on Food Pyramid Albertsons because it was all nonstop.
0: What did and they I- play? It, when it wasn't Christmas season, like the, the stuff we're talking about, the soft music background?
1: Kind of. Uh, uh, you know, you had like soft pop, you know, maybe some throwbacks, but it was all like almost on a loop where in, in an eight-hour shift, you'd hear the same song twice at least. Okay. Imagine, it's like working in a grocery store, I feel bad for the people who, who work there. Imagine being in the grocery store and being, it's like shopping for eight hours in a Walmart. Think right. about that. It'd be a nightmare. Right. And then wow. you have to, everybody. I'm just bitter. That's what it is. But I think Jones, the secret, well, you know, and, and a lot of the times I feel like you don't even notice the music, right? You—you mm-hmm. you, When you're shopping, like someday, sometimes, unless it's a song that I know comes on, I don't even recognize, I don't even pay attention to the music. But I, I do. I am a casual, leisurely stroller. Um, I usually shop late at night, too. Like, like between 9 and 10. Yeah. What, unless I, like, have ingredients I need to make dinner that night. And then I'll go, like, after work. Right. But at that time, there's so many people in there. I'm ready. I get in and get out. Like, I try to make a plan now. Okay, I need this, 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 and this. And I walk in there and go to those aisles and then get out.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, I got to tell you, you know, for, for me, when I go to the grocery store, it's, it's an experience, you know, I want to enjoy the time there and I could, I could be bothered if, if you played some, you know, unbearable music of some sorts, you could probably get me out quicker. Like this is not something I ever thought about. But it makes total sense that this is the case that that uh, that this type of thing goes on, uh, you know, in, in these in these grocery stores. Now, I, I had no idea. I learned something today, um, and you know, I, I feel I feel smarter now for knowing this. time. now here's our chance to game the system. You wear our AirPods or something like that. I mean, we're gonna save money now.
1: I, th- I think the strategy is to find a song that you absolutely hate. And then put it in your AirPods, and then just put put it on loop, and not and literally not be able to, you know, discipline yourself to not listen to it until, or you know, not not listen to it until you're out of the storm. So like mine, I think would probably be, the song comes up all the time. The kids love it, the Baby Shark song. Ooh, that's that's torture. I think and that would drive me absolutely mad. If someone put me like in a cell. And I had some information to give up, and they just literally had Baby Shark on repeat. I would, I would probably be, I, I would give up the information in less than an hour.
0: That's good. That's really good,
1: Tom. I, I don't know what song you have, but the Baby Shark doo doo sh- would send me up the wall. That's what I need to do. I need to put it in AirPods, and I just say, "Listen, I can't turn this off." Tell him out of the store. I'd probably run through the aisles.
0: I'd probably oh, say, I'm right there with you. That's a great way to end today's show. Uh, big thanks to TJ Reeves for joining us, as well as Coach Bo Brian O'Connor for stopping by as well, and you, the listener, for joining us. As always, you can subscribe to the Jones Support. New episodes out each and every Thursday, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Leave us a five star review or don't leave us one at all. And you can also check us out on social media, facebook.com slash Tyler Jones live, facebook.com slash studio soapbox, Twitter at Tyler Jones live at studio underscore soapbox at Thomas underscore bridges, Instagram, Tyler Jones live. Insta Thomas and Jones underscore report. You can find us there. We got to go. We'll see you right back here next week for another edition of the Jones report for Thomas bridges, our entire crew, Tyler Jones. Thanks so long. It's been another of Jones report. We'll see you next week.